John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Paul Mauser, or I guess maybe today I am his guest. Because yes. <laughs> he will be the one asking the questions, I believe. <clears throat> so it's um, a few days after Thanksgiving. We're both quite bloated and bulked. <laughs> um, we are we are filling much more space in the parts unknown that we are recording from. Yes, we are in parts unknown. Shortly after Thanksgiving, uh, the bulk is real, and I would say for one of us, it's a little more real than for the other. Because true story, um, John <laughs> broke a chair at uh, Thanksgiving dinner. So. Um, <clears throat> by sitting in it, uh, this this was not in a, a, a WWE style wrestling match um, fashion. It was uh, he sat in the chair and it exploded. Now, hold on. T- to me, it was a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, you you wrestling your fat ass in the chair. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well, let's get down to business. No, let's not get to business yet. The get stronger die listeners, the loyal listeners, they need some more good stuff here. John, what did you eat for Thanksgiving? Well, I ate a bunch of turkey, some stuffing, some corn, um, this macaroni salad stuff that had bacon in it, which is pretty good. Now let's talk about that bacon, because we had we had the macaroni salad with the bacon in it, as it should be. Uh, we had the corn that was basically swimming in a base of butter, melted butter. And wait, do they do other people eat eat corn a different way than that? Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at here <clears throat> is. I made it, I came to a epiphany, if you will, during that meal, that if your grandmother's cooking isn't full of all the stuff that they said in the 90s would kill you, <laughs> then she doesn't actually love you. <laughs> she may not be your real grandmother. <laughs> may not may not actually be your grandmother, yes. It's a farce. <laughs> it, it is a farce. So the Get Strong or Die listeners, you have that exclusive right here on the Get Stronger Die podcast. Now, we're going to talk about, uh, this is sort of almost a, a year-end wrap-up here, right? Okay, we're doing we're doing a, a end-of-the-year wrap-up. Um, you went through season one of the podcast, took a, took a bit of a break, came back strong with season two. We're about uh, three or four episodes deep now. You've already had people like Dave Tate on. Mm-hmm. Um, big stuff happening <laughs> here. We're going to go back through the year and talk about your competition history this year. Uh, you did a few, uh, about, about 10, which, um, is that a record? Is that, is that the most ever you've done in one year? That's the most ever that I've done. And probably most people have done. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, so now a lot of people, I mean, we can just, let's just start there. Okay. 10 competitions, one year. That seems pretty crazy. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. That's, that's pretty extreme. However, let's put this in perspective. If you take to the old Wikipedia, and you take a look at a guy like Zajunas Savickas, mm-hmm. who is um, the greatest of all time. You look at his competition history. Especially... What about what about Larry Wheels? Okay, well, he's second to Larry Wheels because all the strongman competitions that he's won. Um, but uh, you look at a guy like Zavikas, and there were years, um, I, I think uh, off offhand, maybe 2012-ish or something like that comes to mind, where he did double-digit numbers 
of competition. I think he did, you know, 12 competitions in one year. And for the pros, for the top guys, it's not uncommon. It's not not uncommon to what do, what do you think the disconnect is there between a lot of a lot of amateur competitors are scared to death to compete more than once or twice a year. You know, I, I hear these people say, "Oh, I want to I want to do one meet to qualify for nationals and then do nationals," and consequently, of course, those are the people that never win nationals. But what do you think the disconnect is here between uh, amateur competitors being afraid to compete and and people like Zavikas, the, the greatest pros of all time, competing on a very regular basis. Well, I think the, the first <clears throat> and probably most prominent disconnect is um, fear itself. Most most amateurs are just scared of everything, and that's why they're amateurs. <clears throat> so, you know, they're, they're just terrified of these things and, and all these fears and and things to get the best of them you know like a, a true pro or somebody that's going to go pro doesn't have that they're not afraid to take risks they're not afraid of challenges they're not afraid but you know i think that's one of the big things that separates amateurs from pros to begin with now if you want to break that down a little bit more i think um one of the other disconnects is training um amateurs for whatever reason are far more um obsessed with uh like specifically training for events um, even even though when you watch the pros, and, and it's very easy to do that now. This isn't like 20, 30 years ago when you, you couldn't really follow these people unless you bought like, you know, the Milo Strength Journal or something and it came out quarterly and you could like kind of see stuff <clears throat> here and there. You got Instagrams and, and Facebooks and Snapchats and stuff. So you can literally follow these people's trainings and you can tell that like, um, you know, when they're training for these shows that, that they're not doing specific event training uh, and there are exceptions, um, you know, they're, they're, they're doing it for like three weeks. You know, I think like uh, a big one um, was like the Arnold Classic this last year when they, and they had that natural stone. And like, you know, they announced that stuff way out. I mean, you know, they they knew plenty of time. And, uh, and you know, guys like Half Thor and stuff, I think they only maybe did that event in training three times, two or three times. It was like three or four weeks out. They started, you know, playing around with it and um but the amateurs don't do that they want they want to do they would be doing that stone event for 16 weeks and still think oh i didn't train it enough you know that's just the mentality and it's if you're going to do that it's very hard to do multiple competitions because you're going to train five events you know an average of average strongman competition has five events you're going to do five events and train the shit out of them for 16 weeks you're not going to be able to do anything in between. You're not going to be able to do competitions there. So that's 16 weeks off. I think another point to that uh, with, with with training, with amateur training versus pro training, that causes some issues with try, trying to compete more often is your amateurs are obsessed with constantly maxing out. And the pros never do that. You know, when, when was the last time you saw a guy like Half Thor hit a max single in training. Like, like you watch that dude hit a single in training, dude, it, look, it looks like it's 85%, yeah. you know? Um, but amateurs constantly, especially, especially deadlifts, you know, and, and there's, there's really nothing that wreaks more havoc on you than, than maxing your, 
your deadlift, you know, all the time. And that's what, uh, that's what the amateur, you know, amateur ranks love to do. Hey, I'm feeling good today. I'm going to max my deadlift. Oh, they're, they're okay. Uh, not, not the best idea in the world. And then, but then they want to, they want to blame, uh, lack of progression or injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on competing when really they mess themselves up in training. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes from uh, <clears throat> Olympic lifting and power lifting. You know, Olympic lifting, you can get away with maxing out all the time. You only have two lifts to do. Um, they're they're technically uh, difficult. There's they're, uh, there's a certain speed requirement, so you can max out a lot without taxing your body all that much on snatches and like cleaning jerks and stuff. So you can get away with it. You know, I mean, you have to build up to it. I wouldn't have like some beginner doing it, but you can build up to that, and people see that. And they think they can do that with strongman, or you get certain powerlifting camps like um, Westside Barbell, you know, and and they have like their max effort days and they'll max out, and they think they can do that with strongman, but there's a big difference because um, even if you take the Westside model, they're maxing out with uh, squats, um, and a lot of times that's banded, so there's a different amount of stress on the body there. Um, it's a different a different dynamic, and then. Um, but also squats of all the compound movements, they're, they're one that you, you can train yourself to recover from very quickly. And there are programs out there where you, you know, people max out on squats every day and, and they, they do okay, I guess. And, but you don't see the West side guys maxing out on deadlifts, at least not every week. It's very rare for them to do, um, a max effort, <clears throat> um, deadlift day. You know, they'll, they'll spend, they'll do their second, uh, their speed day, they'll do deadlifts, speed deadlifts after speed squats or something. And, and a lot of those guys might do max effort good mornings or something, um, which, you know, I mean, I'm the good morning is a, <clears throat> um, a very stressful creature to be playing around with, but it's not a deadlift. I mean, you could max out on a good morning and recover much faster than you ever would from a deadlift just because of the, uh, limited amount of body that's being used and the limited amount of weight that's being used. So, you know, they're just, they're just interpreting things incorrectly and, and trying to use principles that don't apply to strongman. Yeah. And, and speaking of, uh, conjugate methods, uh, or, you know, what a lot of people would call West side, but you know, really conjugate methods, uh, with, uh, a former guest of the podcast, Brooke Souza, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, fortunate enough to bring her in for a seminar and attended that seminar and, uh, you know, got to learn from her methods and her adaptation of the conjugate method for strongman, which was she worked with uh, Matt Winning uh, to develop, and there are no max singles, you know, in the program. She's uh, she's uh, she's always always doing rep work on on her uh, on her max effort stuff. Very rarely is she hitting any kind of max mm-hmm. single, um, and consequently. Uh, in the past, you know, Brooke has been someone who's been able to compete fairly often. There, there's limited opportunities, you know, for the pro women, but she's been able to compete uh, fairly often and obviously has done very well. So, <clears throat> well, I think, um, I think that it's, it's obvious Matt winning knows what he's doing and so does Brooke. So, you know, it's like a practice like you play kind of thing. And, and I know that term get, or that phrase gets thrown around a lot. And it's, it's definitely people use that and do dumb stuff with it. But you have to practice like you play. Most events in strongman <clears throat> are timed or, or rep related. 
you know, if you go to a strongman event, you might have one, on average, you, you have about one max, like one rep kind of deal going on. Most of the events are not, are not like that. Now you, there are certain competitions that are spring up here and there where that's like the thing or whatever. But for the most part, it's rep stuff. So it would make more sense um, to train reps, you know, to a certain extent. I don't think you need to be necessarily doing, you know, like 20 rep Atlas Stone or something, you know, if that's your main movement for the day. But, you know, fives and, and, and threes and eights and stuff are pretty useful for strongman. I mean, that's what you're probably going to be doing, you know. I'm going to go ahead and just say, uh, you've only been competing for 12 years. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> that's, that's just a limited pool of knowledge. <laughs> a very limited pool. You just, of you don't have enough of a sample size to draw from, John. <clears throat> so speaking of that sample size, that sample size increased dramatically in 2018. Your competitive year actually didn't even kick off until March. You skipped January. You skipped February. You were hibernating. <laughs> You didn't come out of hibernation until March, and mid-March, uh, I believe it was March 14th maybe this year, you traveled all the way down to North Carolina for the Norse Highlander. Side note, that was one of my favorite contests of the year. Absolutely loved that one. It was a great day. Um, tell us about training, going into that, uh, how you, how your preparation went, and what your thoughts were going into that and what the events were. Um, so if memory serves correctly, I think I, I must have, um, I must have got programming from Martins Lisi's in December, maybe, or, or early January. And I started doing, um, his program and I ran that for, I think eight weeks leading up to, uh, the, um, the Norse Highlander. So, so it must've been January when I got his programming or whatever. So I, I ran his programming and then I had also hired Jed Johnson at some point, um, around that same time. So <clears throat> Jed Johnson was in charge of, uh, strictly my grip training and, and Martin's Lisi's was in charge of everything else. Um, <clears throat> so I ran their programming up to the Norse Highlander and sub subsequently, um, I got first place there and, uh, that was, um, I hit a PR on the Hercules hold, I believe, that day. Um, I think I, it was 46 seconds, maybe, or 45 seconds. I, I hit a PR there. Um, <clears throat> and I, I won. And I did tie for first on a couple of events with, uh, I think, Greg Popejoy. But um, I got first place in every event but one, I think. I think I, think I got third in the... Um, the block carry because I'm, I'm known for my speed, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> folks, if you've never seen, if you've never seen John, the Viking Mauser do a moving event, um, it's akin to watching paint dry. Um, but, but, but he, but he makes up for it with uh, sheer will and determination and a little bit of grit. Um, so, you, you talked about the, the, you know, getting, getting programming from some other professionals, um, going into that, obviously Martins, Lisi's, uh, you know, I would say most folks listening to this probably know who that is. Jed, Zon Jed Johnson of the diesel crew. Most folks probably know who that is. Former podcast guests as well. Um, 
Now, like we talked about, you, you know, you've been in the game a while. You've been competing for 12 years and have a lot of experience. You have, you have a degree uh, in, in the subject. Why reach out to other people for programming? <clears throat> well, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, <clears throat> well, number one, to learn. You know, you can never learn too much, so I, I'm always reading uh, reading stuff, and um, I buy programs, like um, I bought Half Thor's program, <clears throat> I've, I've been reading it, I brought I bought uh, Lily Bridge's program, I've just bought a lot of programs over the years, and I read them, and um, try to learn stuff, and figure out what they're thinking, and all that, and um, so it's always good <clears throat> to, uh, you know, learn, and then also, you know, when, when you're writing your own programming, um, you'll even if it's it could be blatantly on purpose or subconscious you'll leave things out you won't do certain things or you know just easier to uh have somebody else do it but i'm certainly not going to have somebody do it that's not you know qualified i mean if i'm going to pay somebody or whatever to do it they're going to be you know top of the line and uh, i think i did a pretty good job of the people i selected for that cycle um I'm still working with uh, Jed, by the way, to, to this day. So some big PRs in that competition ended up in a big win. We had look, let's, let's let's talk events here. If we can remember that was all, all the way back in March, but we had the uh, you mentioned the Hercules hold, um, and that was an event win, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we had a tire toss at that one. Yeah, I tied for first in that with Greg. That was actually my um, favorite event of that particular competition. Uh, we had a block carry, which was, it was a timed course. It wasn't a max distance. It was a timed course, 50 feet up, 50 feet back. Um, did you feel like, uh, you know, we, we talked about maybe speed is not uh, on your highest on your list of uh, vir- virtues there. Did you feel like your speed was improved from the training cycle? Yeah, for sure. Where I, where I messed up there was I uh, took the time to... Uh, lap the thing and I have a bad habit of when I lap it um I don't uh have an urgency to stand up (laughs) so uh, I I lost a lot of time just hanging out with it in my lap I should have just like kind of sprinted forward but I I burned a lot of time in the hole okay so uh what what else did we have there we had the weight over bar how did that end up um I either I got first in that but I think I may have tied with uh that might have been one where I tied with Greg or uh, one of the other guys. Okay. And there were, what, uh, four or five guys in your class there? There was at least four of us because Anthony um, Shiver, Shiver, Shiver was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, uh, I think his name was Josh. Uh, Joe, Joe Lawson. Joe Lawson, yeah. And yep. then uh, Greg Popejoy and... Uh, I think, think it might have been another guy too. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good class. Um, and... A bunch of a bunch of cool guys there. Like I said, one of, one of my favorite contests of the year. It was a, a super fun day down there. So that was, that was four events, and then we had what else? What else did we have? We had six total events. We had the stones, the the stones of the north event, um, which is something that we tend to do at these Highlander competitions, where you have an option of either loading the stone, shouldering the stone, or pressing the stone overhead, and you get obviously you get more points for uh, shouldering or pressing. Um, how how did stones feel? Um, they were good. I, I I got first in that event. I shouldered it like two or three times. I don't remember two or three times I shouldered it. Um, I don't think anybody else in uh, 
the division was able to shoulder it. Um, <clears throat> if they did, maybe they only did it for one or something. Yeah, and I think that was uh, that was like a. I want to say something like a 275 stone or something like that. And it was a strange diameter too. It was something like a 19 inch diameter. Um, I think maybe it was from a hybrid mold or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it was giving guys some fits because it was uh, a little bit larger of a diet. And of course it was a, it was a raw, a raw stone event. So, you know, doing, doing 275 stone to shoulder for reps, um, without any kind of sticky stuff is uh pretty darn challenging stuff. So, um, and then your sort of what's become almost your signature event, the pole push tournament, uh, was also there mm-hmm. at the, uh, North Highlander. How'd you, how'd you feel about that? And how did that go for you? <clears throat> um, the pole push was my second favorite event of the competition. Um, I really like the tire toss that, there, but, uh, pole push is generally one of my favorite events. Um, it was fun. Uh, some of those guys were big, so that that was that was cool because the the bigger guys usually give you more of a um, challenge on that. So I like to you know run into some big big uh, mountains and <laughs> push them around. <clears throat> um, but everybody there seemed to like it too. I you know I think everybody uh, in the division actually liked the event too, and everybody gave a hundred percent. And a lot of those head to head events there's 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 like a certain mentality people don't like those events sometimes and um they'll just go out there and kind of half-ass it or whatever but uh in that particular tournament i think everybody gave it a, a an honest try and uh, it was a good time yeah and one thing especially at that uh contest <clears throat> in particular a lot of times once you get the people out there that have reservations about those mono mono type events once you get them out there and get them doing it they start having a blast, mm-hmm. and they realize how much fun it is. And uh, <clears throat> especially at the, with the pole push at the Norse Highlander, I had so many people afterwards telling me, man, I loved that. You know, like, hey, I, I thought I was going to hate this going into it. I was scared of it, you know, like, and just being, you know, just being straight up honest. Like, hey, I was not looking forward to this, but holy crap, after I did it, it was a blast. Yeah. And uh, I had, I don't know how many people told me that. So it was, it was pretty cool stuff. So that that wrapped up March. So that you kicked you kicked off the year with a big win. Um, that got you uh, qualification for nationals, um, and then we move into April. And what, uh, what what did we have in April? I think April was when I went to um, Philadelphia, which is actually the reason that I hired um, Martins. Uh, Lisi's um, was because I was going to do a Moss wrestling tournament in Philadelphia. <clears throat> and then um, I had also hired Jed Johnson and Jed said, uh, I told him about the Moss tournament. I told him <clears throat> my grip training needed to be geared towards uh, bending nails and hanging onto the Moss stick. And then um, he asked me what tournament I was doing. I told him, he said, Hey, we're doing a grip thing there. Or, uh, well, he wasn't actually, uh, Ode was, but Jed was competing there. He said, you ought to do it too. <clears throat> so I said, okay. So I, uh, when I signed up for the Moss tournament, I went ahead and signed up for the arm lifting competition as well. And then <clears throat> all training was geared towards that. So actually when I did the, um, the Highlander, most of my training was uh, geared towards Moss wrestling. So that, <clears throat> went, uh, that was actually uh, two competitions in one weekend then. With the with the moss and, and the grip because it was actually two separate events because you had a you had a ton of grip events and a ton of uh, 
Moss matches too. So yeah, and it ended up <clears throat> being um, uh, we only did like two, I think, grip events on the first day. So I I ended up doing the other like five grip events the next day at the same time as the Moss tournament. So <laughs> I was literally doing a Moss match. And then there would be like a little break and then we would do a grip event and then I would go back and do more moss and then come back and do a grip event. And we basically alternated until the very end. So how did your, uh, how did your hands feel after, after that weekend? <clears throat> um, they actually didn't feel bad because of all the training that I'd been, like, like I said, we were training our grip specifically to hold onto the stick and stuff. But, um, so I made it through my weight class, uh, division um and i got uh second place i believe in my um division heavyweight division in moth wrestling and then when the absolute tournament started the first no i think it was the second guy in the absolute uh division that i went against um did this uh stick rolling tactic and um actually tore my hand open so i ended up tearing a callus which i think was the first time i've ever torn a callus at a competition and uh <clears throat> Damn, tw- tw- 12 years in, and you finally tore a callus. <laughs> I wonder if that's a record. I wonder if, it, I wonder if any other, uh, if, if for the folks listening, if you know anybody who's competed for over a decade and it took them that long to tear a callus, or if they've never torn a callus, we want to hear about it. Let us know. So it's never happened. <clears throat> so, um, And I have recommendations for people that that happens to. And to carry stuff in their bag, but it's never happened to me. So of course I was unprepared. So I had to, um, athletic tape my hand after that. <clears throat> and, um, they actually let you do that in the, uh, the moss. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but, and then they, they let me do it in the, the grip as well. But, um, the tape was very hard to use on the final event. This was like right before the last grip event. So, I think I ended up zeroing the, uh, it was uh, one of the country crush, two-handed country crush. I think it was the two-inch handle. So I zeroed that um, grip event, I believe, uh, because of that. Now, l- later in the year, you came back and got some revenge on that country crush, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But, uh, yeah, so Philadelphia Expo, big weekend there. Um, our, our buddy Lemmy was there. Uh, lots of, lots of the grip guys, lots of the Moss guys, pretty, pretty cool stuff there. How did, uh, how did, how the results end up for you there? Well, like I said, I got second in the, in my division in the Moss, um, wrestling, which is what I wanted. Um, you know, I wanted the a podium. So second place was pretty good. Pretty happy with that. Um, it was probably my best, um, Moss showing to date. Uh, just just because there was a large that was the largest field I think of competitors um, that I've faced. I, I had like I don't even remember. It had to be six or seven matches or something by the end of the uh, matchups by the end. <clears throat> so it was my best Moss per- performance to date, um, and I hit PRs on every grip thing I did that day, um, except for the Country Crush that I zeroed. Yeah. Which, which we talked about with the with the tape on the hand that probably made it uh, a little a little interesting. Yeah, um, and and I had never done a country crush, so um, 
even the zeros of PR. <laughs> hey, and and uh, quick shout out. I don't know. I don't know if the Country Crush guys listen to this or not, but they're they're pretty pretty cool guys, and uh, they're really they put out they put out a great product, um, and they're doing a great job promoting it. And uh, they they've asked me to come out to their uh, their benefit contest um, this year, and I you know I don't know if I can do that or not. Um, if it works out, man, that'd be really cool to go out and hang with those guys at their, uh, at their event. They're wanting to, they're wanting to use some, uh, some Mauser equipment out there and stuff. But, uh, um, we're, we're going to try to make that happen and see what happens, whether, whether I can actually go there or not. But, um, just want to give a quick shout out to those guys. It's, it's a great product. If you guys, uh, listening, aren't familiar with the country crush, check it out. Very, very cool grip stuff. They sell a two inch model, a three inch model and, and, and a few other things. So. Um, very, very cool stuff. We're going to use that. Uh, we're going to use that, uh, this coming April at strength for autism. So we'll have the, uh, max country crush there. So that was, that was it for April. Um, big Philly expo, sort of the, sort of the culmination of the first quarter of the year of, uh, of training for you. Then we went into May and at the end of May every year, the Appalachian Team Championships, and I think we've talked about this one before and sort of what this one, why this one's a big deal to you. But uh, go ahead, for the listeners, for the, the Get Strong or Die loyal listeners, let them know why this one's a big deal. Um, the, <clears throat> well, the Team Champion, I, I don't understand how anybody doesn't think it's a big deal, but the, the Team Championships, it's literally the Appalachian Team Championships, so it's a regional um championship and i mean it's in the name <laughs> and yeah. uh and it's the only one of the only team competitions in in the whole country maybe the world and um it's uh, to my knowledge it's definitely the only one where your team teams of like four to six um <clears throat> that i know of anyway uh so it it really is like the team championships because you're there's nobody else claiming this you know it's it's a big deal and um, people come from all over uh, the U.S. to be there. You know, I mean, there have been people representing Chicago and Virginia and the, who knows where else. It's everywhere, right? Um, so it's a pretty big deal. And um, it's also a big deal because um, <clears throat> my team uh, is usually mostly comprised of people um, that, you know, I train and stuff. So we're a legit team. Like we, we're not just like a hodgepodge of people that got together or like, you know, I'm not like calling around the country trying to find, you know, ringers like, Hey, who's the, who got the world record press? You know, like I'm pulling people, um, that I actually train and, and hang out with on a regular basis and stuff. And we put the team together and, uh, that's, that's how we do it. And, uh, we've been pretty, uh, pretty successful, um, every year, I mean, as far, you know, probably the most successful team that hasn't won, I would say. I'd, I'd say that's a, I'd say that's a fair statement because you've been on the, been on the podium a few times and, uh, one, one year tied for tied for first on points and ended up losing on the, uh, on the count back. And, uh, yeah, so, so you've definitely been right there, right there on the cusp, uh, more than once of, uh, grabbing the title. Yeah. We so, tied, we tied that year with, um, the Windy City um, with Quint Zambone and it, it was, uh, we did, they didn't do uh, count back that year to determine the winner. It was actually because Quint Zambone was more handsome than me 
Uh, he won. He won the event <laughs> and won the competition, <laughs> and I'm still really sore about that. <laughs> well, you know, when when it when it comes down to uh, a, a battle of handsome faces, not many people are going to beat our friend Quint. Um, he, he's just a damn handsome man. <laughs> so, the events changed somewhat dramatically uh, for this competition versus versus the previous year. A uh, couple, couple of new events were, were implemented, some rule changes in, in other events. Um, so a whole, a whole new approach to uh, a whole new approach to this one. We had our truck event, which uh, this what, what was it this year? The chain dragon and <clears throat> chain drag to yeah. truck push. So so walk, walk walk us through the events there, um, how the team prepared for each <clears throat> event, and and how you feel like you executed. Well, we're lucky enough to have chains at the gym, <clears throat> so um, the the members of the team that, that actually go to the gym that were going to pull the chains actually did that um, a few times in training, and uh, and then I trained a lot of uh, pushing, um, <clears throat> like with, like with a prowler or what you were talking about, or a yoke. Yeah, so I did a little bit of pull push training for the uh, the Highlander. And, um, and that, that was Martin's, uh, had me doing that, um, which is something I had done before, but it was mostly isometric. He actually had me pushing the prowler down, you know, for a distance. And then after the Highlander, um, we just switched. So I wasn't pushing the prowler with the pole anymore. I just switched to pushing the prowler like anybody else would push it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say prowler, it was actually the, the rogue yoke prowler, um, yeah, so I was just pushing the prowler, heavy prowler, and then um, I don't remember if we did a team practice day or not that time. I, I may have actually went to the team truck practice thing and pushed that. I don't remember. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, we, we actually trained the events, but uh, we didn't train that event as a team um, just because it was, very, it was very difficult to do that. So it was broken up. You know, people pulled the chains on their own time. I pushed the thing on my own time and and then I have other people pushing Prowler as well. Yeah. So, so if you're having trouble uh, visualizing what happened here, um, it's te- teams of four to six people on on any given event. Four people go at the same time, and they may have different tasks. So on this particular event, um, you have your heavyweight stationed at this giant semi truck, and then you have three other team members that have to drag these chains. As your as the team members finish their chain drags, they're allowed to run over and help the heavyweight start pushing the truck. But you have to finish your chain drag before you can come over and help. So as they the faster they finish, the faster they can get over there to help. And of course, the more people you have pushing on the truck, the faster it's going to move. So the speed at which they finish their chain drags is super important mm-hmm. because you want to get your teammates over there as quickly as possible. So um, you were stationed at the truck. And yeah. uh, everybody else uh, was stationed at the change. They'd finish up tagging the next person. They'd drag their chain. They'd finish up tagging the next person. They'd finish up and, and so on and so forth. Do you recall where you guys ended up um, on the scoreboard on that event? Maybe, maybe third. I, I don't. I mean, that's been a while. I, I'm thinking maybe third, third or fourth, maybe. Yeah, I recall there were some really impressive times on that one. Uh, a lot, a lot of teams uh, 
I, I feel like really did very well on, on, on that event. It just seemed like they were very prepared for that one. So it was the, the top the top times were separated by a pretty small margin. Uh, what 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 uh, event was after that? What did we go to there? You call the event order here. That may have been the pressing and deadly, or yeah, press was it? Or it was all pressing, wasn't it? Yeah. The, okay. Okay. So we'll we'll talk about the the partner carry and press. I'm not sure that's the order it went in the contest, but uh, partner carry and press. So you had, um, you had your f- female team member, and she had to literally run over, pick up, uh, the male team members and carry them to different stations. And as as she dropped them off and deposited them at these stations, they they were then allowed to begin pressing whatever implement was at the, at the station. So we had a a, a giant log of uh, some ungodly weight, you know, a, a heavy axle, and then another another axle, and then finally, if the female uh, competitor that was doing all the carrying was able to successfully carry everybody over, then she was allowed to run to her station with the t- with the time that was left and rep out on a log that was on her station. So, uh, super important to have a female competitor that was strong enough to pick up the big guys because, you know, generally your bigger guys are going to be your, your strong, you know, you're probably your stronger pressers. You want to try to utilize those guys. Um, but that means that your female has to be able to carry those guys. So you yourself being somewhere in the neighborhood of the 350 mark, um, you definitely needed somebody that could, uh, you know, pick up a 350 pound human and carry him quickly. So tell us a little bit about that event, um, how you strategized for it and how you feel it, uh, how you feel it played out. Um, it played out uh, as, as good as it could have. Um, I don't remember where we placed in that event, but it was definitely, um, you know, third or fourth again, I think, uh, there were a lot of freakish deadlifters and pressers there. Um, <clears throat> but our game plan was always consistency. So third or fourth was kind of, you know, uh, that's where we, where we wanted to be. Um, but we had <clears throat> Hannah, um, trained carrying me for that event. And, um, we, we didn't do that a bunch of times. I'd say we did that maybe like twice, uh, leading up to that event, like two sessions where she'd carry me three to five times. Hey, if, if anybody's not familiar with Hannah, Hannah, the destroyer, uh, she is a lightweight female competitor. Um, she's been to the uh, to the Arnold uh, Amateur World Championships. She's going back in, again in March. Um, so you know, for her, uh, Carrie and John is not uh, not all that big of a deal. <clears throat> yeah. So we had um, uh, she she carried me, Jake Reynolds, and Jeff Goc, I believe to the uh, pressing stations and Jake Reynolds is a freak presser. So uh, we put him on the, the heaviest log uh, despite him being our our middleweight and me being the heavyweight, he got the heavyweight. Um, And then Jeff took the lighter of the weight and I took the, the middle, the middlest of the weights. And uh, yeah, we did pretty well. Um, Jeff is a incredible presser and so is Jake and I'm, I'm a subpar presser. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> but it, uh, just the way the events work out and stuff that, you know, I had, I had to be in that event and, uh, I actually did way better than I thought I was going to in that event. That may have been a rep PR with that weight. And, um, a lot of people don't know this cause I don't, uh, I don't post bullshit on my social media. <laughs> like nobody gives a shit about the stuff that most people, people post. If, 
I hate when I see like a lifting post and there's like nine paragraphs of them complaining and talking about how they wore the wrong socks and bullshit. But uh, leading up to that event, um, actually, this happened right before the Moss tournament in uh, what was that April? I had some kind of nerve thing go on in my neck and shoulder, and um, it actually was really screwing up my uh, grip strength in my right hand, and my pressing went went just to shit. I mean, I remember one day um, I couldn't strict press like uh, whatever those tire axles are, like 172, um, which I believe I had done for... um, almost like three sets of eight with a strict press or something one like the week before. Um, and then the next week I couldn't get like three, like one arm was up and one heart. Like this was really screwing up my pressing. <clears throat> and so I, um, Jed Johnson had actually suffered a similar thing. So he gave me a bunch of cool stuff to do. And I, I started doing that stuff. And then I started doing some research on my own and I just like tried everything. I went to, uh, I went to a chiropractor, um, an acupuncturist, uh, I think I went to a massage therapist. I went to a float tank, um, everything but a doctor, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and uh, I fixed it. But it was still, um, I think it, it actually wasn't fixed until like right before teams. So I was actually training um, uh, the push jerk for that event. I had to break my own rule of never doing the push jerk in an event. But um, luckily, it was an axle and not a log because um, I still think that jerking a log is foolish. Uh, but it was an axle, which is less foolish, <clears throat> and it worked out. And I think I hit a rep uh, PR despite having a, a screwed-up shoulder and everything. Very cool, very cool. So that event, again, went, uh, went very well, went according to plan. Moving on, we had the... Let's talk about the Hercules versus Atlas event. This was a lot of people's favorite event. It was a brand new event. Um, two people on the Hercules hold, two people on a stone to shoulder event. And so at each station, uh, your, your your stone lifter was linked to your Hercules hold. So wh- whichever station you were at, um, you, were, you were allowed to bang reps on your stone to shoulder, if you could, as long as as the person on your Hercules hold was still holding on. As soon as they dropped, you were not allowed to, uh, to let your, your time was up mm-hmm. for that station and total, uh, total reps won on that one. So you were on a Hercules hold. Mm-hmm. Hannah was on the stone to shoulder mm-hmm. and who, who was, who was on in your other station? I think Jake, uh, Reynolds was on Hercules holding in the other station mm-hmm. and who, who was on your stone over there? Um, that was, let me think. So it was Hannah and I and Jake and, uh, was it Jeff? I, or I, was it, uh, it wasn't Tim. So it must've been Jeff, right? No, actually it was, uh, Ashley Flanagan. Uh, I believe Ashley Flanagan was the one. Yeah. Uh, old lemon top. Uh, Ashley, Ashley yeah. Flanagan. Yeah. Ashley Flanagan was on the stage. Yes. Yep. Who, who is tremendously <clears throat> strong in the, in the arms and hands. So, on a raw stone lift, that was a good choice. Yeah, because she she has that arm, wrist, hand power to to be able to handle raw stones. So, pretty uh, but pretty pretty smart strategy there, I think. But you you know your your whole team was full of people with tremendous grip. 
you know, and like you said, a lot of these folks are the folks that you program for and whatever. So it's not surprising that they have they have great grip. Um, but how did you decide who was going to be on the Hercules, who was going to be on the stone, and et cetera, et cetera? Well, there was some debate there because I, I'm pretty good at stone to shoulder. Um, but I had been paying Jed Johnson for grip training, right? So um, we knew that I was going to be able to hold those things. Uh, and, and I think I had the longest time, um, maybe other than I think Tina Griffith may have beat me. But I think I had the longest time probably on the Hercules uh, hold. So it paid off. So I wanted the Hercules hold. And um, Hannah is an incredible uh, stone lifter, especially with for reps. I mean, you're just not going to, you know, <laughs> not many people are going to hang with her in that area. She's got at least one state record in, in Atlas Stone events. And then, um, then it came down to... Uh, you know, uh, Ashley, um, she has pretty good grip, but like you said, she has that raw brute strength. So I think she was the smarter play on the stones. And then, um, Jeff <clears throat> doesn't train stones a lot. Right. So, uh, cause, cause Jeff is a crossfitter by, uh, you know, that's his main thing. So it was just smarter, I think, to put him on the Hercules hold because he doesn't do a lot of stones. So not that he couldn't do them, but I think that Ashley would have been a little bit faster. She has a little more experience with the stones, and her stone would have been lighter just because of the the division she's in. Was it and, was it uh, Jeff or Jake on the uh, on the Hercules? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Jake. Um, so yeah, I don't know why I was thinking it was Jeff, but uh, we put Jake on there because um, he wanted to do it. That's right. So we were originally going to put Jeff on the Hercules hold. Last minute switch, we put uh, Jake on. And um, Jake just wanted to do the Hercules hold. And uh, I actually remember when um, we made the switch and we put Jake in that uh, we had a conversation. We were going to talk smack to each other the whole time. (laughs) 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 But we actually didn't do it for whatever reason. We went out there and we didn't say a word to each other, but we were supposed to talk smack each other but so something you know the heat of the moment and just the event starting and all that like we just totally forgot about it we didn't talk smack to each other but yeah uh, we actually were supposed to have jeff in there and then jake was a last minute um switch in yeah and 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 jake reynolds is one of those guys that uh he, he likes to do stuff just because it's cool you know like the hercules hold that's just a cool event you know and jake's one of those guys like hey i want to do that you know um, and, 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 I wanna, and, we, and we like those type of guys. <laughs> I want to say he probably held, I mean, he held pretty long. I think he held probably for 45 seconds um, before he dropped. And then I think I, they didn't, I don't think the, you guys did official times on that, but um, just from watching the video and stuff, I think I held for maybe a minute 15 or a minute 10 or something. And um, like I said, I think Tina was the only person that, they probably exceeded that now and that there weren't official times so that's just guessing but yeah yeah because the official time didn't matter because it was based on how many stone stone reps were were done there so um where, where'd you guys end up on that one i think we got second there if i remember and it was by one rep so we could have tied for first with one more rep if i remember correctly yeah de- definitely a high high placing on that event that that's an event that I think really, really suited your team. Really played to the strengths of uh, of Team Bare Hands there, 
I mean, you, you could have, I feel like you could have alternated positions with anybody on the team. You know, you could have switched, you could have been on the stones, Hannah could have been on the Hercules, whatever. Um, and you guys still would have put up a good score. Mm-hmm. What else did we have here? Um, tug of war was the big finale, but we're, we're missing, we're missing another event here. There was the wheelbarrow event. Yes. The wheelbarrow event. And that one was modified from years past. Um, you had one guy to carry the wheelbarrow and the and and three other teammates that would load load a stone into the barrow but then they would have to hop in they would, the, the team member would physically hop in sit on the stone and then you'd carry it another 20 feet and the next person would toss a stone in they would jump in the barrow and then and then sit on their stone etc cetera, etc cetera. so by the end of it you had somebody carrying uh the wheelbarrow with three Atlas stones in it and three of their teammates. So a lot of considerations here because this event, you want to, tr- you want, th- this is, this is the type of event where pound for pound matters because you want your smallest people possible loading stones into that, into that wheelbarrow, but they have to be strong enough to, you know, okay, you can have small people on your team, but they got to be strong enough to put stones in. Um, or it doesn't matter, right? We did consider everyone's Wilk score going into this event. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you, so, so you wanted, you know, theoretically, you know, you wouldn't want, uh, you know, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want four John Mausers on this event because then you've got, you know, 1,200 pounds in the wheelbarrow uh, on top of all those stones. So... Everybody wants four John Mausers. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, you know, tell me about the strategy here. Um <clears throat> who was in what position and how that one played out for you. So, <clears throat> well, we had a, we had a really good um, pound for pound kind of thing set up for that anyway, because we had um, Jeff Giosi and Hannah who are, who are light and strong can handle the stones. And then we had um, Jake and Ashley to play with as well there. Um, so we knew that Jeff and Hannah were going to load stones in originally we had Tim King was going to do the wheelbarrow, um, which meant that uh, Jake was going to load the stone, I believe. But then Jake, in the last minute, said he wanted to do the wheelbarrow. So he was like super <laughs> amped up at this point, and like, he just kept volunteering to do stuff. So we were like, okay, as long as you can do it, we'll put you in. So that put him in. So then it came down to... Um, uh, Ashley loading a stone, but it was like a 240 stone, right? So then that kind of eliminated her. Uh, just I, not that she couldn't do it, but for the sake of speed, um, Tim and I could do it faster. But then we didn't want Tim in the wagon. <laughs> T- Tim, Tim is a big boy. For for, the, for those of y'all listening, Tim is probably in the 400 pound range, somewhere in that neighborhood. <clears throat> yeah. So that left me. So I loaded the first stone. I think Hannah did the, or Jeff did the second, Hannah did the third or something along those lines. And Jake um, carried the wheelbarrow and, and he finished the event. And um, we had a little uh, faux pas with the with one of the stones, put it in the wrong hole or whatever. We got a penalty. Um, I don't remember if that even cost us a placing or not. But again, I think we ended up in like the fourth or fifth place range on that one or something along those lines. Yeah, there was a penalty on that one. I can't remember if it uh, cost you any point any points or not. But yeah, there was a there was an infraction on that one. Um, but you know, still, again, 
you know, an, another another solid performance. Uh, you know, quite a few teams didn't finish that event mm-hmm. because it, it's very tough. And w- whether it was trouble with the stones or whether, whether it was trouble with the wheelbarrow, um, you know, that, that's the thing about these team events is that you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you have to really strategize as to who you're going to put in what position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you guys were able, able to load all the stones, finish the event. You got to sit that one out and rest up. Was that part of the strategy was to have you rest on that event rather than do the carrying? Uh, or wait, no, you, wait, I did you, do that event. You I did, did the, do that I event. I was the first stone loader. So Tim and um, Ashley set that event out. Okay, all right. So I'm 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 getting confused here. I'm be, I'm being I'm being a terrible host here for the Get Stronger Die listeners here. So you were back in on that event. Was the original plan to have you rest on that one before you got recruited to do the stone? Yeah, um, I'm not one of these heavyweights that teeters out though throughout the event. So it doesn't really matter if I uh, I could probably do every event and be all right. But. All right. So that that takes us to tug of war. Now this, you know, this is the the consummate team event, um, four versus four. This is one um, that's the polar opposite of the uh, of the wheelbarrow event because on this one you want your heaviest people possible. You want you want everybody eating cheeseburgers before this event. And you we want, did. You want everybody pounding <laughs> gallons of water. You want and a, we did. You want as much weight as possible uh, on this event, <clears throat> and uh, that doesn't mean the heaviest team wins. But it certainly helps if you uh, if you if you can bump up your body weight on that event. So tell me who participated in this one, how this one ended up for you. So I think on every match, um, uh, it was Tim was in the back, who had not done any other event at this point because he was supposed to do the wheelbarrow and we got so we swapped him out. So we had a completely fresh four hundred pound super heavyweight as our anchor. <laughs> hadn't done a thing but warm up and eat and drink so so we were winning this event <laughs> so, so you're saying you're saying tim could have done this event by himself is what you're yes saying. <laughs> and then and then i did every match and i was in front of tim <clears throat> and then i believe uh it was jake and then ashley if i remember correctly um i don't i don't think we switched out members on it at any match <clears throat> and uh yeah, I think we won Tug of War, I think. Um, yeah, that that was a win. Uh, that was a win for Team Bear Hands. In fact, it, it, it was a um, really epic matchup. I think it, uh, if I recall, was it Dark Army maybe in the finals uh, that you met in the finals? No, it was the it was the Heathens, right? Was, was it the Heathens, heathens in the finals? I think it was the Heathens. But... <clears throat> hmm. um, Regardless, definitely some some tremendous uh, matchups in the, in the tug of war, and with so many events being somewhat grip heavy here, we talked about the Hercules hold, um, you know the the wheelbarrow carry for Jake, you know he did the Hercules and the wheelbarrow, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know the, the chain drag, you got to grab those chains that you know that's grip intensive. How were the hands holding up, um, you know, for, specifically for you and, and, and for the rest of the team? Because that's a thick rope. That's a two-inch two inch diameter <clears throat> rope that you got to use there. Um, I, I didn't hear any complaints about um, <clears throat> any kind of hand stuff. I mean, Tim was completely fresh, so he probably had no hand issues. Um, 
<clears throat> Ashley didn't do the Hercules hold, um, so I'm guessing her her grip was probably pretty solid. And then um, Jake probably would have been the one who who would have had issues, but I never heard him say anything about it. And uh, my my grip, <clears throat> especially on those combat events, I've never really had any um, any kind of grip issues with that stuff. I don't you just don't have time to even think about it. Very cool. So that that was an event win. Um, final tally, where'd y'all end up? Did we get second? See, he, he, <laughs> folks, he doesn't even remember. I think, I think we got second place. Doesn't even remember. Um, I might be wrong, but I think we got second place. Well, well we're, we're just going to call it second then. We're, we're just going to call it second. So. Um, <laughs> You could probably go on my Facebook page, and, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think I think we got. He can he can tell you what his time was on the Hercules hold, but he can't tell you where he finished the contest. <laughs> I, th- I think it was second place. I might be wrong, but I think it was uh, second place. So again, <clears throat> uh, you know, bit big day, pretty successful day. Um, moving on to June, <clears throat> uh, I I think your June was free and clear. Was June when the Freedom Fest was supposed to be? No, that was August. Okay, so, yeah, no, I didn't do anything in June. There was, um, I was looking at some things in June, because they had USS Nationals was in June, I believe. Actually, yeah, it was. It was on June 10th. It was on my birthday. And then there was a USAWA meet in Florida I was looking at doing. But, But I ended up not doing that, and, uh, rolling right into July with the Viking Highlander. Cool. Now, now was, uh, also over the summer, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, that's where we went out to, uh, slim the hammer man's, uh, place, if I'm not mistaken. That may have been before the Viking Highlander. Somewhere around that time. Um, which wasn't, which wasn't a competition, but, uh, you know, just something cool to throw in there. Um, so Viking Highlander was early July and events for this one. We had a, a Denny hold for time. We had a Moss wrestling tournament. We had the, uh, stones of the North, which was a series this time. Um, we had the weight over bar. What, What in the world else did we have there? The Conan's wheel. So there were six uh, events total that one. Right. <clears throat> I don't know. You tell me. You're the one who did them. Yeah, I think it was six events at the Highlander. We had uh, the Conan's Wheel, the um, the Denny Hold, um, Conan's Wheel, Denny Hold, Moss Wrestling, uh, Weight Over Bar, Stones of the North. Maybe there was only five events. I think the yeah, the, first, yeah, there's, yeah. You're you're thinking the Norse. Norse had six, and um, I think the first Viking Highlander had uh, six events. Yeah, so the, the, this this one had five. Um, so the uh, let's talk about the Denny Stone hold because that's a little bit different, um, probably than than just about any other event uh, you may have encountered before. Uh, the actual ring handle replicas of the Denny stones, um, were used. We, we, we hung Mauser blocks from them and it was, it was uneven weights, uh, just like the Denny stones. That's dangerous. <laughs> Clearly. Cause, cause nothing you encounter in, you know, real life or combat is, is uneven. Um, 
so t- tell me about that event, how you felt on that one. Uh, did you, did you utilize a hook grip on that one? Um, so, <clears throat> um, I trained really hard for that event. Uh, I wanted the win and I actually got the win on that event. And, <clears throat> um, I had planned on using a hook grip on that, but I did a hook grip in training, um, like a few weeks before, uh, like I only actually did that uh, event maybe three times again, you know, just, just like the pros do maybe three times leading up. And I think the, the, the neck, like the second time I did it, I used a hook grip and it caused my thumb to go numb. (laughs) And it just like, I I think it just shifted the wrong way. I don't think it would have happened. Um, cause I've done it since then with no issues, but it's one of those things where it messed my thumb up and, um, I was worried that if I did the hook grip again in competition without that healing, it would aggravate it. And then I might end up with like some permanent issues. So I ended up just grabbing the things like normally and, uh, still, uh, still, still secured the win on that one. Yeah. So, and, and what he's talking about with, uh, you know, the, the damage on the thumb there, the reason that that's probably happening is because those are very thin those, it's not like grabbing a barbell. Those are very thin rings. It's super uncomfortable. That event is probably just as much pain tolerance as it is uh, strength, would you say? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I honestly, um, and I know the, the grip guys will have a heart attack, but I don't look at the Denny Stone event so much as a, even a grip event. I think that if you have any kind of grip, Right. I mean, if, if you just don't train grip, it's going to be a grip event. But if you have any kind of grip, right, um, something will break before your grip does. I mean, like, it's miserable on your back. It's uh, it's miserable on your mind. <laughs> like, uh, I think that mentally most people will break. They will let go because it sucks more than they let go because their hand peeled open. Yeah, that's a very, very uncomfortable event. Very cool event. I, I was, I was really happy that we offered that one. We, we tried to make it as authentic as possible with, the, with the pick height and using, using the ring replicas. Um, just very, very cool stuff to do a tribute to the Denny's there at the, uh, at the uh, Highlander event. Um, weight over bar once again. How did weight over bar at this one in July compare to the one that you did in March? Um, besides falling on your face, uh, during, <laughs> during, during warmups, war- during the warmups, um, yeah, I did fell, uh, uh, Ric Flair fell on my face during the warmups, uh, um, not so good. <laughs> so this was a poor showing on the weight over bar. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't even really know why I went so well at the Norse Highlander and so poorly. At um, it actually wasn't too poorly. I may have hit the same height, but I couldn't hit anything higher because um, I couldn't get the arc of the weight to go over the bar. The height was there. If you watch the uh, videos, I'm I'm a good I'm a solid you know somewhere between nine and twelve inches over the uh, over the bar. So so the height was there, but um, I bombed out. Uh, just couldn't get it over the, the bar. One I think I think I hit. I want to say I hit 12 feet or 13 feet and missed 14 or something. And 
Um, but I know that 14's there, maybe 15's in the tank. But, uh, yeah, I just couldn't get the arc over. So that was just a training uh, thing. I, I didn't, I didn't, I should have went um, or, or rigged up something to where I could throw over the uh, bar, but I was throwing straight up in the air during training, and it's hard to uh, get that arc when you're doing that. Is uh, is that a goal for 2019 to uh, grab that 14 or 15? Is, is that on the docket, or is it too many other things to consider? I don't know, because well, right now it's not in any of the events that I know I'm doing. Because uh, Elkins and, and teams are the only ones I know I'm doing. Because uh, I have a Moss Wrestling tournament in January, and then um, Sumo Wrestling potentially in February. And then uh, I'm not sure what's after that. Conan's wheel. Uh, now this one, this one there was a little bit of an equipment malfunction. Um, t- tell us about the Conan's wheel event, how you felt about that, what uh, what happened on that event, and how uh, how you ended up. Well, I was pretty confident I was going to win um, the Conan's wheel event. Uh, that's kind of right in my uh, wheelhouse, pun intended. Um, you know, it's another grit event, and like if if I can pick it up, I'll carry it longer than somebody. <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just how it goes. So I, I knew that I could win that event um, as long as it wasn't so heavy that I couldn't pick it up, and um, <clears throat> and and you know the case was I could pick it up. Uh, I still had a decent run on it despite the malfunction, but it wasn't enough to beat um, freak show Marcus Crowder, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I took off with, uh, I like to um, get as far out on the handle as possible. This is a pro tip, by the way, uh, because people do not instinctively do this. You want to get as far out on the arm as possible. So you want to be as close to the edge of it as possible without slipping off. And a lot of people will try to get to the inside of the wheel, but it's, it's, it's just simple leverage and mechanics. You want to, you know, if you're using a pry bar to pry something, you want to be on the end of the bar, not in the middle of the bar. And, uh, so I got my, you know, and I practiced this event again, probably a good three times before, um, going out, going out there. Um, I did most of my training with the yoke, but I did do the wheel a couple times and, uh, hooked it up right where I wanted it. Nice and solid. But again, I'm, I'm right on the edge and uh, I take off and I have a tendency to lean hard into the machine because it makes the, uh, the whole thing wobble less. That's another pro tip. If you don't want to, you want to kind of lean in towards the center of the apparatus because that creates stability in the arm of the apparatus and it keeps it from wobbling on you. And it also is easier to take a turn if you're leaned to the inside. It's just if <clears throat> if you're running and you have to cut around something, you know, you, you lean your ear towards the thing and you, you, you can circle around, right? It's the same concept. As long as you're leaning to the inside, it's easier to make the turns. So it's helpful all around. Um, <clears throat> so I leaned in to the machine, to the, I won't call it a machine, but the equipment, and um, it slid about a foot um, maybe not quite a foot, but it felt like a foot. <laughs> and and so the, the 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 weight on and of course the, this is completely arbitrary um, because weight weight means nothing on a Conan's wheel event. But um, you know this was what seven hundred pounds of plates or something. Uh, 
I think I think it was six eighty was the six eighty was the yeah six eighty supposed like the the theoretical weight of the apparatus six hundred well I think they counted the arm as forty five or something or fifty pounds and then it was six hundred and thirty pounds of plates or. So, yeah, something, something along that neighborhood. Those lines. Yeah, yeah, it was almost about seven hundred pounds, I guess. Yeah. So in, in any way you cut the mustard, it was a crap ton of weight. And so when this thing slides, like what's what's going through your mind when when this thing moves like that? Uh, did did you <clears throat> did you have to change your underwear afterwards? What what? Uh... Well, I actually didn't know that it slid because um, I mean I was like I like I was in the zone. I was wanting to win that event, so I didn't know that it slid. What I knew was that. When it slid, it pulled it off of my left arm, which was on the the furthest most tip of the thing, the lateral most tip of the apparatus. So it pulled it completely off my left arm. Um, so I was about a quarter of a turn in when this thing popped off my left arm, which left only my right arm and an enormous third arm power belly um, to hold the apparatus. So... I keep moving. <laughs> it's a couple more steps. And then I realize like, I can't hold this thing very long with one arm. Um, so I reached over and grabbed my other arm and I'm like pulling it up with my left arm. I don't know how to describe that, but basically I'm holding hands with myself and pulling my right arm to the sky with my left arm. Cause there's no way to scoop back under, right? Like once, once you're gone, I'd had to have stopped and, you know, it just, it wasn't going to be good for business at that point. You just have to make do and go. Um, so I made it, uh, I think I may have made it like three quarter of a turn or something even. So I I did about half a rotation with one arm (laughs) and, uh, and then I dropped it and I didn't realize till afterwards because somebody said something to me. They were like, Hey, that thing slid or something. And then I watched the video and you can see it slide. Um, I just thought that I had screwed up and grabbed it too far to the outside or whatever, but the you can see in the video it slides. Yeah, you can see it pretty clearly uh, where, where it moves in the video, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, that kind of that kind of stuff happens every once in a while, unfortunately. Um, so that that one didn't go as well as it could have there. Uh, do you remember where you placed on that one? I think I still got second place because um, <clears throat> Conan's wheel is one of those things at least in that event um, where you're either really good at it or not good. at it. <laughs> there weren't too many people in the middle ground. So I think a three quarter turn perform performance, I think I still got second place in that event. Yeah. And, and probably a single arm at PR. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, <laughs> that's definitely a single arm PR. Probably, probably a world record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think J- James Spurgeon may contest that, but, um, so, uh, that was the, that was the Conan's wheel event. So we talked about the Denny's. We talked about the waiter for bar, talked about the Conan stones of the North. This was a series. So you had, you had four stones lined up and you could either, uh, shoulder or press them. Obviously pressing was worth more than shouldering. Um, how did that go? How did you end up? Uh, what what were you feeling about the stones? I knew the stones would be um, <clears throat> a consistent event. Um, I mean, with Marcus Crowder there, I didn't know that there was no chance I was winning that event. But uh, I knew that I could, you know, get second place. I did. I think I got second place. Um, I, I'm pretty good at shoulder and stones. Uh, 
I didn't do a lot of stone training all year. Um, I kind of relied on the fact that, like, in Strongman, you lift everything the same. So, you know, lifting the block, lifting um, different stuff through these through these competitions and stuff. I didn't do a lot of stone training. Um, I did in the first uh, January, uh, February kind of block um, when Martins had me doing that first eight week thing. I did uh, some stone training there, leading into the Norse Highlander. But after that, it was pretty sporadic. Um, but I knew it would. It just carries over. You lift. It's all the same. You know, I mean, people overcomplicate it, but it's pretty much the same. As long as you have strong hands or strong wrists or a strong squeeze, there's different kind of different people have different ways of picking the stone up, like slightly, um, you know, you'll be able to do it. So I still did well. I think I shouldered every stone, but the last one and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got second place in that. Very cool stuff. And, the- and then Crowder pressed all the stones, but maybe the last one and embarrassed half the city. Yeah. I, 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 I think he, I think he pressed all of them. It was, yeah. It was completely insane for, for those of y'all who, who don't know who we're talking about here. Marcus Crowder is, he went on to win, um, the national championship, uh, j- just, uh, a few weeks ago, um, at nationals. Uh, and he is, uh, now a pro strongman. Um, he, yeah, he- heavyweight national champion. So, um, he's, he's kind of good at this stuff. So went on to the Moss wrestling tournament and this was the biggest Moss wrestling tournament in United States history. Um, at the, at the Viking Highlander, we had, you know, 50 some people, 54, I think, uh, uh people in the tournament. Um, I don't remember how many people were in your class. Was this a, was this a bigger class? than you faced at, uh, at Philly? No, no. Philly was the biggest Moss tournament that I've, that I've done just for my division, I believe. Um, I think I only had, I think this was another small Moss thing. So I think, I think it was me, um, Barrett Young, Mm -hmm. Marcus Crowder, and then another guy who was a police officer, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, and, and there, I think maybe there was uh, five of you. Um, hmm. yeah, hard, sure. hard, hard to say. It's it's yeah, it's, 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 it's been, it's been a few been a months. We're both a bit foggy <clears throat> on 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 who on who was who was there, but um, but that was the second biggest Moss tournament for my division because I think I had six six people in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a big, uh, pretty, pretty big for the, for the big guys. I know like the middleweights had like 15 or something. Yeah. <laughs> middleweights was sheer insanity. That, that was the, that was a nightmare to make a bracket for all them people. Um, so how did Moss wrestling go for you? Uh, were there any, <clears throat> were there any surprises there? And, and how did it feel locking up with uh, with uh, Crowder? It was good. I got I got second place in that event. Um, uh, I think I think I won every match. I don't think I lost a match other than against Crowder. And um, I actually beat Crowder in the first matchup because Moss Wrestling's best best of three. Um, I beat him in the first uh, match. 
um, I can't remember. I think I pulled him over maybe. I, I definitely ended up with the stick. I don't remember if I pulled him all the way over. And then on the next round, he actually pulled me over. So then we went to the third, and um, the third was very, very close. I, I actually um, thought I had him. I mean, it was like there was a moment where I was like, oh, I got this. And then him being freak show Marcus Crowder some, <laughs> somehow uh, actually got the stick out of my hand while he only had one foot on the board. So, um, yeah, that just he, – he was pretty determined to win, and he, he, uh, he stole that one from me, so – <clears throat> so, so pretty epic stuff there. Um, ended up ended up in second overall, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I got second there. So, second overall, only only bested by the guy who would, uh, you know, go go on a few months later to become the uh, 2018 national champion. So, um, I'm expecting my thank you letter in the mail any day now from Mr. Crowder. Because um, I was the gatekeeper, <laughs> the guy that uh, <laughs> gave him his. Invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold your breath waiting for that letter. <laughs> All right. So that was that was July. Did you have anything else uh, in July? <clears throat> because I, I I know uh, I know August. I I think we skipped August altogether because there was a, there was a competition scheduled um, in Southern West Virginia that was part of a festival. That festival, the entire festival got canceled. So the strongman meet, of course, uh, went down the tubes as well. So, Yeah, and I actually scrambled a little bit <clears throat> to find another meet to fill the um, to fill that void. But, the uh, void in your heart. <laughs> but I can't remember what they were. They all ended up being um, kind of far away, and I just didn't feel like um, blowing a bunch of money, uh, you know, traveling to... Uh, one of these, you know, competitions at that point. So I think I just skipped um, August and went right into uh, September. And September was the biggest month of the year for you, um, competition-wise. Three different events, um, America's Strongest Viking to kick it off. That was September 1st. A couple weeks later, we're in uh, Delaware at a grip competition. And then... The last weekend of the month, you had, had uh, Strongest Man in the Forest. So um, a lot of different stuff to try to be prepared for here. Yes. Because the, the events were very different in the two uh, in the two Strongman competitions. And you had a grip event tossed in there in the middle. So <clears throat> let's, let's kick it off, man. Tell us about September. So Strongest Viking... Um... Oh, I just want to be clear too. In in the uh, Highlander, the I PR'd on the Denny Stones, and uh, yeah, PR'd on the Denny Stones. That, that that's a theme I want to talk about at the end. Um, so I just want to make that clear. I PR'd on the Denny Stones. Um, I don't so, I don't care if you peed on the Stones or not. <laughs> so, uh, strongest Viking. Um, I mean, that's like the biggest uh, on paper, the biggest competition of the year. So. Um, it was pretty important. Trained for it. Uh, trained pretty hard for that event. I really wanted to win the... Uh, well, I wanted a couple things. I wanted to press more on the Mauser block than I did the year before. And I wanted to win the Hercules hold. And... Uh, yeah, those were my big goals. 
um, for that event. So, because uh, I knew going in that Steve Schmidt was going to be there. So, <laughs> dreams of first place were, were crushed early on. <laughs> um, there, there, there's only so much that you can control. Uh, and one of those things that you cannot control is who shows up to the contest. <clears throat> and when Big Steve shows up, everybody else is in trouble. So, um, Max Mauser block was first event. How did that go for you? Um, we talked, we talked about the, uh, issue you had earlier in the year with pressing. Um, you know, did, did you feel by this time, did you feel like you were, uh, fully recovered from that and, 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 uh, able to put on your best performance? Yeah, I was getting back to recovered by that point. Um, but I was, um, you know, I, I, I lost a little bit of training throughout the year. So I ended up hitting the same weight. I think it was 240 on the block as I did the last year. But if you watch the two side by side, um, I, I think I actually put up on Instagram the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The press from this year's was way easier than the press from last year's. So I'll, I'll call that a win, even though I missed the, um, the next weight jump up, which would have been like 250 or 260 or something. Um, <clears throat> so I'll call that a win cause there was definitely more in the tank, uh, as far as the block goes. Yeah. So we're, we're able to show, show some improvement there. So for people that haven't pressed a block, uh, and, and specifically a Mauser block, how difficult would you say that is versus let's say a log or an axle or, or something that's a little more conventional that shows up uh, <clears throat> in competitions? It's probably the hardest thing to press uh, at a competition other than an atlas stone. Atlas stones are, are probably the hardest thing to press, um, and then the block would be second only to that. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're talking about a, a 240 block press, and people might not realize. Um, a, you know, I was at a uh, uh, our buddy Dave Waters, I was at his competition uh, back in January, and the heavyweight the heavyweight block in his overhead medley was 240 pounds. And I think maybe one or two people in, in a heavyweight class of like a dozen guys actually got a lift on it. Like 10, 10 guys bombed that, uh, bombed that weight because that's how tough it is to press, to press a block, um, versus, versus a log or, or axle. So event one went down. Uh, Max deadlift, I think, was the uh, was the was the second event there. Um, how did that one go for you? Um. Well, originally I wanted to try to do um, five eighty five or six hundred or whatever was closest. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know. Really, I don't think I even looked at what the jumps were, but what I, I wanted to do something around there, and. Uh, I did not. I think I ended up hitting the same that I hit the year before, um, which is not surprising. I've always had problems with um, deadlifting, but it has been uh, way better in the last two years than it's ever been. So um, hopefully I'll hit 600 in 2019. (laughs) All right. So two events down, both max events uh, then we go, then we went into some other stuff. So after this, you broke up into groups. I'm not sure where your group went to. Uh, <clears throat> do you remember, do you remember where you went to after the, uh, after the max dead? 
there was a, a block carry for distance. There was a medley with the farmer's walk and a keg load. And there was a Hercules hold. I think we did Hercules hold, block carry, then farmers. Okay. So t- take us to the Hercules hold. This was probably the one you were the most excited for. This is the one that you're really focused on. This is the one you want to take home yeah. to win. But you were facing, you know, you had a, a class full of killers here. This was this is a Platinum Plus contest, an Arnold Classic qualifier. You know, the toughest guys come out for this thing. You had a guy like Steve Schmidt in there who's known for grip strength, a guy who can hit, you know, 250 on either hand on a rolling thunder. Um, so, you, you know, you had some pretty incredible competition here. Yeah, I um <clears throat> but but I, I I wanted to win that event. Like that was that was the goal. Um <clears throat> and uh, I had trained hard for it and um now I had we had seen the Hercules hold in three different competitions. Um so I had a fair amount of training um under my belt on the uh Hercules hold. And I think the training got better as I went because um it wasn't something that I'd ever trained before. So the, tra- the training changed as we went because I learned more things as we went. Um, but I knew I was going to win that event. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to win that event, and I did. And I ended up with um, the second longest time, regardless of gender, division, weight classes, all that. Um, and it was the longest time amongst all the men, I believe. Yeah, and that time was somewhere in the neighborhood of close to a minute 30. Something in the neighborhood of like a minute, minute 29, minute 30, something in that neighborhood. Yeah, I don't remember the exact time, but it was, uh, it was a, I, th- I think it was 90 seconds or whatever. But yes, yeah, so, so that was, you know, that's a huge win. And again, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, competitions and um, the difficulty of a competition. But one, you know, the thing that makes a, con- a contest difficult is the level of competitor that you're facing, mm-hmm. the, the level of, of guys, how many guys are in your class, right. how good are they, et cetera, et cetera. Again, this was a Plat Plus contest. You know, you had some real studs in your, in your division that you were going up against, and to pull out an event win on this was, was pretty, had to be pretty satisfying stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, like I said, I wanted to win that one, so I got, I, I took that one, uh, and that, that gave me a lot of points, obviously, <clears throat> two towards the to the tally at the end, and then <clears throat> um, that was a PR. That was a big uh, PR on Hercules hold, and then we went into the Max Carry event. Um, and as I talked about earlier, if I can pick it up, okay, I'm going to beat people at a Max Carry. Um, so this particular event was a max carry and you had 30 seconds, I think to pick the, uh, implement up. And, um, uh, I went to pick this thing. I think the thing had to be like 370 or something. Yeah. It was a 370, 370 block carry for, for heavyweights. And, um, so and that's, and that's, that's from the ground folks. So I ran over, um, to pick it up from a sumo position which uh, I had done in training before. I mean, it was hard, but I had done it in training before. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you do something on your own terms and stuff, and then you go to a competition, you can't do it because, you know, you just can't. So 
um, I ran into that. I, I broke it off the ground, got it maybe like to my knee, couldn't pick it up. So I had to set it back down and then tip it up and put it on my feet and pick it up. And um, uh, I got it to my lap, I think, and then ran out of time before I could stand up with it. Uh, so <clears throat> ended up zeroing that event, which was disappointing. But I could have, uh, I think... That's going to be a goal for next time. Next max carry, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get some revenge on that one. There was a little bit of controversy on that one um, as to uh, y- your your name was called, and there were you know there were people in the way while you were trying to trying to get to the platform that may have may have cost you some time there as well. And you know sometimes shit like that happens. And um, you know, b- bottom line is it it that one didn't go your way. And uh, revenge needs to come soon. Yeah, I'll win the next Max Carry event. <laughs> it can be four seventy, and I'll win it. <laughs> <laughs> so the final event for you guys, for your group, was <clears throat> a farmer's walk, x amount of feet. Then you had to you had to run over to where a yoke was stationed, load a three twenty keg over the yoke then come back to the farmer's handles, which were now heavier, and carry them back to the start line. Mm-hmm. So pretty pretty <clears throat> brutal event uh, by my estimation because you got that farmer's walk, then you got to load this keg, you got to come back, and and then all of a sudden you you know they're heavier and you got to carry them back to the finish. So uh, tell us about that one. And plus, this is your last event, so you're probably um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna imagine you're, the exhaustion starting to kick in at this point. <clears throat> The thing that gets you most at the end is your back. Just from standing and stuff, your back is like always smoked. But but it's more of an annoying kind of thing than anything. You just can't let it get to you. But the the farmer's walk was uh, actually way easier than I had expected the first run. Um, Picked it up easy. There was no grip issues even after the uh, Hercules hold. In fact, it was like... I don't ever even think I came close to dropping them. It was was pretty easy on the hands. Carried it down, dropped it off, um, and uh, knew that it was iffy as to whether I was going to get the second farmer's handle. So I just took my time. I dropped the uh, first farmer's, took my time, meandered over. I talked to the helpers for a moment that were holding the yoke, (laughs) and then I PR'd on the keg. Um, Now... That's probably only a PR because I don't think I've ever done a keg over bar. But 320 keg was a PR on keg over bar. And then <clears throat> I went back to the other farmers and um, I actually broke them off the ground, which is a big uh, surprise to me because I thought that they would not move at all, being that they were like, I think they were 313 pounds in each hand. So that's 626. Um, but they actually broke off the ground. Um, and then I, I couldn't complete the lift, but I, I was pretty happy that they even came off the ground. And then ran out of time there, but I still got a decent placing there because, um, <clears throat> again, that being like a double event, like a dual event with two different things, like the farmer's walk stopped some people and the keg stopped some people. So <clears throat> I ended up with a decent placing in that event. I don't remember what it was, but... Very cool stuff. So that... Takes us to the to the final tally here. Uh, where did you land in the overall in what is surprisingly your first Plat Plus contest? Second. Second? Yeah, because wasn't the first strongest Viking at Platinum Plus? 
Oh, this is true. Yeah. This is true. I, 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 I forgot you did year one. That's right. You were. You. Um, I think I got third. <clears throat> yeah, I, I got third uh, overall to um, Steve Schmidt and. Uh, I think Scott Deese came in second. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Who, who Scott Scott's an incre- uh, incredibly strong guy. <clears throat> um. Yeah, ended up a third. Pretty happy about that. Uh, that was, you know, that was my other goal for the competition was to podium there. So, uh, you know, I accomplished goals. Hit hit two at least two PRs there and uh, podiumed. So you can't can't beat that. Yeah, hard 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 to argue there. So, a uh, couple weeks later, we're off to Delaware for a, gri- a grip competition. Pretty fun stuff here. Um, so many events. Uh, there was the two-inch country crush, the three-inch country crush, the three-inch raptor handle, which is like a rolling thunder type of deal. Um, there was a pinch grip. There was a hub lift. Um, gosh, what else was there? Uh, something else, I think. I think even, but there there were there were quite. I'm thinking there were six or seven um, events there. <clears throat> yeah, there was a bunch of events. Um, I PR'd on every event. <laughs> now, granted, some of those, uh, like the Country Crush, well, I, I had tried the Country Crush in Philadelphia, um, but uh, PR'd on the Country Crushes on, on the Raptor, never even done it before. I PR'd on the Pinch Block, the Hub. Um, what else was there? I, whatever they were, I, I PR'd on almost every event if not every single event yeah it was uh it, I, I don't remember exactly I, I remember we we had some trouble getting there um so we actually showed up a little bit late um so it was a little bit of chaos when we showed up to get in there and get uh and get started but uh a bunch of the crew came out to that one we we rolled out with a a, a carload of folks um Val Walker uh, came out of retirement to come out with us for that one. Uh, Hannah the Destroyer was with us. Um, Sarah Ott was with us. Am I missing anybody? Was I think it was uh, four. That was it. You yeah, and me. So uh, five of us five, rolled out yeah. together. So uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. And you ended up on you ended up on all kinds of uh, rankings for that. Um, the 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 Arm Lifting USA top ten leaderboards. Um, you know, I, th- I think you made your way onto three or four, uh, of those leaderboards out of those events. So, yeah, you should be able to find me hanging out there in a, in a three, three or four of those boards, just between Philly and that I should be on there. So that, that was the grip competition. Um, I finished first in my weight class there. Yeah. So, so, so first place finish for you there. Um, just a great performance for the whole crew, really. Um, you know, Sarah Ott did it did incredibly well and, and, and took some took some high placings. Uh, Val and Hannah, I mean, uh, even even me, even your humble host here, uh, uh, managed to uh, uh, do fairly well. So can't complain about that. Strongest man in the forest finishes September. That was the uh, like a week later after this. Um, so you, you did the grip competition. You're going to the strongest man in the forest. Um, not, not an incredibly grip heavy competition, but there was uh, a steel bar bending event. 
So now you, you've had two events really close to this. You had uh, America's Strongest Viking at the beginning of the month that had the Hercules hold and the farmer's walks, etc. You had the grip competition on the 22nd, uh, and then on the 29th or whatever, uh, you got Strongest in the Forest. Um, were you beat up at this point going into this competition? How were you feeling going into this one? I know this one's a big deal for you because it was the first, you know, that this is the contest where you, uh, everything got started for you. Um, how'd you feel going into this? <clears throat> I felt pretty good. Uh, by this point though, training was pretty, pretty, uh, limited. Um, which, which I'll touch on that at the end of this whole thing, but, um, it was pretty limited, but, <clears throat> uh, I still felt pretty good. I still did pretty well. I think, um, I think I May it may have hit a log PR there, uh, at least in competition log, uh, and, and especially on that particular log. Yeah, yeah, that that log um, that log is a whole separate category. Yeah, I can't remember what I hit. Did I? I think I did two fifty. I'm. I don't think I did two seventy. I don't, I don't remember, but it was a uh, PR, I believe. And then, <clears throat> um. The disappointing thing was the truck pull actually uh, event there was I didn't finish the uh, truck pull and then somebody else did with that that was disappointing. Um, I'm not sure what the issue there was to be honest, but that that should have been a finished event for me. I'm not sure why <clears throat> what went awry there, but uh, yeah, that was that was probably the most disappointing thing of that event. And then we went into. You had a, you had a medley event, which was uh, Mauser blocks and Atlas stones. Yeah, and that that event uh, went. Uh, was that the one with the duck duck walk? Yep, right? had so, had duck walk um, to start, and then a block, and then uh, Atlas stone. <clears throat> yeah, so that that actually wasn't too um, too bad of an event. It, it went pretty well for me. Uh, started to get a little sick for some reason after. Uh, during the log press, really, at that event, I'm not sure what happened there. I felt pretty sick, but the uh, the truck or the medley went uh, went about as expected. I didn't expect to be like a world breaker in that event. I wanted to, you know, be middle of the pack, and and I think I think I I pulled that off. Um, then we had a what was the next event? We had a <clears throat> the block medley. Log press, truck pull. Um, there wasn't a single finger this year. Yeah, there uh, the timber wagon deadlift. <clears throat> yeah, so which was harder this year than it had been in previous years, because it was a lower pick by an inch or two, and also had a higher starting weight. And of course, on every every rep, more weight gets added to it. I think my game plan on the timber wagon deadlift was to do one rep and call it, but I don't remember if I even got one rep on that thing. Uh, I may have gotten one. I, I don't remember it, but there's a possibility that I had zeroed that event. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember. I was joking with the helpers there as I was doing this. <laughs> I think, I think I did get one and then called it, uh, so I got one rep on that, but that's you know that's a deadlift event. I'm notoriously bad at those. <clears throat> Apparently not too bad because that that one rep uh, puts you middle of the pack. <clears throat> and 
And then what else was there? Okay, so we co- we covered the truck pull. We talked about the max log, oh, timber yeah. wagon deadlift, and the and the the medley of death. So what everybody really wants to hear about the steel bar bending event. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to win that event, um, and I and I did. Uh, I won the steel bar bending. Uh, I knew I wanted to win that event, and uh, this was another one of those things where. Um, I'd been doing grip training and I'd been bending nails, but by this point in the training cycle, I wasn't even bending nails anymore. So I was doing very little bending leading up to this. And, uh, I maybe did one or two. I did two. I remember distinctly cause I trained with Kenny Hacker. I did two steel bar bending sessions, uh, before the event. That's all I had. That's two weeks out. Did two steel bar bending sessions and I didn't bend a lot of steel. I think I only bent, well, the first time, I, I don't think I even finished one of the bars. And the second time I managed, by some miracle, to finish one. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, yeah, I had actually only successfully bent um, one competition bar in in training um, leading up to that point. But, uh, you know, you, you take the time off and you rest before the competition and uh, went in and crushed... Uh, what I that that crush crushed two bars or I think yeah there, there so there were three uh, three bars of uh, um, increasing difficulties the, the the first bar um, was tough but the second bar was super tough and, and and the third bar was equal to the second as well so in the in your class I think no one but you got the second bar if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think you were the, o- the only guy that finished the uh, the second bar. Yeah. So you said you didn't train that much going into it. Um, I didn't train that event much going into it. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are not familiar with bar bending. Um, I feel like it's a brute strength event. Uh, you know, a lot of people would, you know, uh, p- people want to believe that there's some kind of tricks, uh, you know, to it, so to speak. Um, they think, oh, you know, it's oh, it's all technique and all, all this kind of thing. But, you know, you just, you know, you just told us, hey, I didn't even hardly do this event going into it. Um, t- tell us about that. Tell us about <clears throat> steel bar bending, and tell us about what it takes to actually uh, be good at it. So I think a lot of people when they start lifting, you know, everybody does the same things, right? You press, you squat, you deadlift, and you get good at those things. <clears throat> And then you start branching out and grabbing these other things and doing other things, right? Mm -hmm. But typically, they're all less complicated than pressing, squatting, and deadlifting. Like, it's not hard to do a curl. It's not hard to do a lateral raise. It's not hard, you know. These things are things you can figure out in one workout, right? And I think people fall into this trap of, hey, I mastered these three lifts and now everything else is easy. And because most things can be related back to those three lifts, then you can do things without um, a lot of effort and a lot lot of time put in. Um, And then you you fall into a trap where anything that that requires as any amount of time to do, you don't want to do. Whether... You know, and you will justify it with all oh, it's dangerous or, or, or that's stupid or whatever your excuse is, you want to do it. And people fall into that all the time. Um, I have a tendency 
to look at the new stuff the way that I looked at the squat, the press, and the deadlift. It's going to take a while. You have to do this, and you have to figure it out, and you have to spend, you know, four weeks doing this at least once a week until you figure it out or whatever. And then you can start putting the work in on it. But you got to figure it out first, right? And steel bar bending is the same thing. It's it's kind of like squatting or deadlifting. And, and squatting and deadlifting isn't all that technical. I mean, I'm just saying they're the most technical of the things, right? Yeah, so, but, but most, mm-hmm. um, most adults that you work with are going to have bad mechanics on that stuff because they've built bad habits over their lifetime. But if you get young, young people uh, a lot of the times, you know, you can get them doing decent squats and deads in no time. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And, um, but, but usually maybe not in a day, you know, like you're, mm. you're going to get, so it's going to take a couple times to get somebody squatting. Right. Um, so the same with steel bar bending. You have to give it an honest try for a couple weeks. And I'm not saying months, I'm saying a couple weeks, figure it out, figure out the positions to bend in. And then it's, it's all brute strength from there. And it's, it's not, um, it's not a thing that requires a lot of, um, like neurological recruitment. It's not like, uh, like a power clean or something where you need a lot of, uh, memory, you know, motor memory, muscle memory type stuff. Like it's, you figure out where to put the bar, where it's going to bend and you just crank the shit out of it. And it's pretty simple. I mean, you know, but most people just don't want to do it because they've fallen into that trap where they're afraid to do something and look weak or they're afraid that, you know, they're just afraid. It goes back to that thing that we talked about in the beginning. They're scared of something and they're using that as a, a reason to run from it. You know what, what it always felt like to me, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, I always felt like steel bar bending felt like, have you ever, you ever been working on something with tools and you had to really crank the shit out of something with a wrench? Yeah. Like, like, I mean, just really put the heat on it with a pipe wrench or something Mm -hmm. uh, to turn it. That's what steel bar bending feels like to me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's even that moment where it starts to break loose, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's <clears throat> almost identical. And I think a lot of people uh, are going to be able to relate to that feeling and, and have that, like, that eureka moment and go, oh, okay, I get, you know, I get what he's talking about. Because uh, most of us at some point in our lives have had to really crank the shit out of something with a wrench. Yeah, I think, too, it has a different feel to it um, because it's, it's, not, uh, it's not over quick. Right. But it's also not reps. So it's like one long, grueling rep. And and most lifters aren't used to that feeling. They're used to like one rep being over quick or they're used to multiple reps. But this has this like hybrid feeling to it where you're just grinding out one long ass rep. And uh, I mean, a bar, uh, like especially a long bend, it can take. You know, I mean, there's three bars in a minute and people, mm-hmm. people didn't finish. So, oh, yeah. you know, one bar could take you a minute if you're able to do it, you know? And, um, I think that's that feeling. It's so different that people, they don't like it. You know, they're not used to it. They're not, they, but then they have to get used to that. Like, Hey, you're going to you're going to fight this thing. It's a fight, you know? 
it's just like moss wrestling or something. You know, people people deadlift and then they moss wrestle and they're no good at it. And I think a lot of the reason is, well, they're not used to deadlifting for thirty seconds straight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking reps. I'm saying one rep lasts for thirty seconds. Like they're not used to that, so they don't like it. But it's just one more thing that you, that can make you better. It's one more thing that. Um, it's going to make you mentally stronger, physically stronger. It's just, you know, you just, it's just new. It's just like if you deadlift and then you power clean, it's different. Or the mm-hmm. other way around. It's just a different feel. And you just just deal with it. Yeah, know? absolutely. So that was an event win. Um, strongest man in the forest. Where, where did you end up there? What were the fi- final standings like? How did you feel about your day there? I think I got, um, I think I tied for third and got fourth on count back, if I remember correctly there, um, which that was disappointing, not as disappointing as the truck pull, but that was disappointing. Um, yeah, because I wanted the podium there. My, my plan was to podium at every event that year, so podium at 10 events, and uh, I dropped the ball in Elkins um, and did not podium <clears throat> close. I mean, you can't get any closer than that tie-in for third and then count back. So that was the end of your September three shows in September, um, October. I think you had uh, a little bit of a break there. Yeah, there was nothing in October, but November 3rd was my next. Yep. So that takes us to a Viking Halloween. Uh, this was a very, uh, very low back, uh, heavy contest deadlift medley, uh, double overhand axle dead, and we had uh, Stone Series. We had the Car Flip. We had, man, what else? Uh, there was a medley event. And the Squat, the uh, the Mauser Squat Machine. So walk us through that. Six events at this one because, the you know, the, the, the Car Flip was the big X factor. We didn't know if anybody was actually going to do it or not. So we sort of scheduled that as a, as a sixth event. Um, in case everybody zeroed it, then, you know, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. So, um, which, which event did your group start on and, uh, how did you do? Um, we started on the dead, that, uh, double overhand axle deadlift on Apollon's axle. I ended up PRing on that event with, uh, at 553, I think. 553 or uh, three, 353 <laughs> five, yeah 553 okay uh, L- ladies and gentlemen we 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 Mike Burke has come out of retirement <laughs> uh 353 was the the PR that day um I wanted I wanted more than that but but I'll take it and then oh, where did we head to after that I think you would have went to the uh deadlift no, no, no. You, um, we went to the stone medley, maybe. No, the squat. That's right, the squat, yeah. So we went out to the squat, and then I don't know when that damn machine <laughs> reared its ugly head first, but <laughs> uh, ever since its creation, it has thwarted my efforts in <laughs> every competition. Um, I have zeroed that thing every time that I have faced it. And um, my goal here was to not zero, and I successfully completed my goal and hit one rep, um, but knew that I, pro- I may have had more, uh, who knows, um, but I don't think it was worth expending the energy 
um, you know, going for it. So I did the one rep just so I didn't zero and then called it a day and called it a win. That was a big squat PR. And, uh, yeah, pretty happy with that one. So, and you had, um, you know, you had some guys that went after you in that class. So it wasn't, it wasn't like you knew what everybody was going to do on that one either. So you had to take a bit of a gamble there and say, okay, uh, you know, am I going to do the one rep and walk away? Um, or am I going to, you know, gas myself out completely and try to bang as many reps as possible? Um, you know, sort of a, sort of a calculated move there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the next, um, you know, I think five was the next lowest and then maybe six and then 20 or something from Scott Geese. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't, it, it wasn't worth trying to shoot for five. I don't think. Um, so I just took the one and that was a win. That was a PR for me. So take that as a win. Then I think we went to the, uh, Blockstone block medley after that, um, where I had a wardrobe malfunction and um i actually did and there was a sled drag there too i actually did pretty well um on that event there were two two blocks um that was probably the fastest i've ever done a moving event so i was pretty happy about that i snatched up the first block took off dropped it on the tire came back grabbed the atlas stone um my first pick was a slip so that cost me a couple seconds but i got it up took off with it um when i dropped it it ripped my kilt off <laughs> the kilt came off in mid-event, folks. My lord, it was sexual. And then, um, luckily, I was wearing my singlet still. So then I ran back, grabbed the uh, second Mauser block, uh, which seemed easier than the first Mauser block, and uh, took it down the field and dropped it on the tire. And then ran back and grabbed the sled and uh, finished with a decent, decent time there. I think I may have gotten third in that event or something. On a on a scale of uh, on a scale of one to sheer death, uh, how tough was that medley? Man, it wasn't tough until the damn sled. Um, the sled wasn't even uh, well. I think the 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 sled was not a uh, concern. I think that was the problem because for whatever reason in strongman. Um, a lot of arm over arm events and a lot of sled dragging events are usually easy. Um, especially when they're indoors for whatever reason, if a sled drags outside, it's probably going to be hard. <laughs> if, if it's inside, it's usually easy, but this was not the case. Some asshole promoter broke the rules. <laughs> we, <laughs> we loaded that thing up <laughs> fucking heavy. And we, uh, <laughs> we uh, you, you want to know how I determined the heavyweight uh, weight? It is we were we loaded it up until I couldn't pull it, and then I said, "Okay, that's what the heavyweights are going to use." <laughs> well, so I remember grabbing the handles and leaning back, and um, I have a very uh, unique method for the way that I start a drag, um, which I probably can't go into here; it wouldn't make any sense. But basically, I like to have my full weight leaned back on the apparatus before I pull. And you would think that'd be common sense, but most people will grab it at full uh, extension and then try to throw their lower back backwards and lower back the thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a really good start. So I ran up, snatched that thing up, leaned all my weight back into it and took off. And I noticed it was heavy from the first pull. But then about five steps in, my legs had already blown up like balloons. 
and my pace had slowed to a crawl. Now, keep in mind, this was the fastest I'd ever moved in an event, possibly my life. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, that thing took the juice right out of the old legs. Um, but I was able to finish the course. I think I had, you know, probably 10 seconds left or so, or, you know, and uh, pulled it across the pulled it across the line. <clears throat> um, so that was a good event for me. Shocking with the sled, but a good event. Then we went to the car flip. No, I, I, I think you jumped over the deadlift medley. Was that before the car flip? That was before the car flip. So the deadlift medley was 500 pounds on a deadlift bar. Um, and uh, that was pretty easy. Um, I've done 500 a lot, so um, I can kind of do that, whatever. <clears throat> um Threw the straps on, deadlifted 500. Uh, then I went to the frame. Um, the frame was heavy. I, I don't remember what was on the frame. The frame uh, was like 700 pounds oh, I, or something. I I think it was 630, but I might be wrong. I think I, I, I think you're off. I think it was heavier than that. Well, <laughs> 630, I know, is a PR for me. <laughs> so whatever it weighed and whatever I lifted was a PR. So I was actually shocked because I wasn't 100% sure I could do it, but I knew that I broke those farmer's walks off the ground at Strongest Viking, and that was 326. And um, I'm sure somebody out there will argue, but but this is a fact as far as I'm concerned. Uh, picking up farmer's handles is harder than picking up a frame, for sure. So... I knew that if I could break 326 off the ground with the, or uh, 626 off the ground mm. with the, the farmer's handles, then I knew that 630 on the frame was definitely a possibility. Um, <clears throat> but there had also been a significant amount of time between that farmer's walk and that. And I had not done any frame deadlifts in training at all the whole time, period. <laughs> hadn't done it at all. And um, I don't believe uh, I had done any farmer's walks past um, Strongest Viking and when I was training for the uh, the event that got canceled. Um, so, so I don't think I had any training. I might be wrong, but I don't think I had any training as far as, uh, you know, like a frame style or farmer's walk deadlift. And, uh, so you kind of, you kind of let your regular, your regular deadlift training take care of all that. Yeah. And that was pretty limited even at this point too, just because of the amount of, um, stress it puts on and how many competitions I had been doing. So I wasn't deadlifting very often at all. Um, you know, cause I take a week off before every competition typically, and then I take days off afterwards. So, um, deadlifting was, was pretty non-existent <laughs> and uh and i picked up that frame and it, it wasn't i think there was maybe a smidgen more left in there and then um i set that frame down and then i meandered over to the um, axle and um you know, the funny thing is i don't even know what the axle weighed because i didn't think i would make it that far um so i strapped it, it was a uh, 18 inch uh 18 inch axle pole uh, and it was it was a lot. I don't, again, I don't remember exactly what was on there, but I think it was, I think it was like the same weight as the frame. Uh, so whatever, you know, what? six, six, six thirty, six thirty at a minimum, I would say is what was on there. <laughs> Who does that? 
yeah, so anyway, I, was, I didn't finish the frame, or the axle, I mean. So, but I did the 500-pound deadlift and then the unknown frame weight. <laughs> the, the, the ridiculous uh, frame. We, we don't know. A bare minimum, 630. Probably more like 700. I can't remember. Um, yeah, and I, actually, that wasn't a terrible placing in that event. And then we went to then we went to the car flip. Um, I don't even know how the car flip was to be scored, um, but because we won't know because nobody flipped it. But uh, myself and Eli Kerr came the closest. Yeah, that's I heard I heard some eyewitness accounts uh, that that you were actually pretty close to getting that thing over. Yeah, and I think. Um, Yeah, I think maybe if I had a little more time, I could have finished it. Or, uh, yeah, I think it was definitely a possibility. I think I just needed to make a minor adjustment in my positioning, and then I could have uh, that car. Car would have went. Now that this was an un an unmodified car. This thing had the engine in it. It had transmission in it. Everything. Uh, the r- rumor was it may, may have even had a full gas tank. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a car. It was not a, it wasn't like one of these, like how they sell a steel log and they call it a log when it's a pipe. You know, this was not some bullshit thing that some no. company made. This was a car with a VIN number. <laughs> yeah, this 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 was a Saturn sedan. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I told people there that day that I, I think, uh, I think a decent mechanic could have got that thing running by the end of the night and, and the winner could have drove it home. <laughs> Um, then we left the car and went back in for the stone over bar event. Pumpkin stone over bar. Yeah. Well, I didn't make it to the pump. Well, I made it to the pumpkin stone around the time, but, um, yeah, I loaded, uh, was there four stones in that medley? I think four. Yeah. Four stones Um, in the series finishing with the 300 pound, uh, pumpkin stone. Yeah, um, by this point, I had not been doing uh, much in the way of stones. I think I got in one stone session, um, you know, in the three weeks leading up to this. Uh, I generally don't like stone over bar. Um, I like stones, just not stone over bar. But uh, went into that event. I just didn't move fast enough. Um, I should have moved faster, and I may have got the pumpkin stone on. I'm pretty confident I can pick up the pumpkin stone. I'm pretty good at picking up weird stuff. Um, and it's, it's not heavy enough. It's, I, I can, t- I can, I th- I'm pretty confident I can pick it up. It's not heavy enough to where, um, I'm, I would even think twice about trying it. And, uh, it's an awkward shape. So I'm going to be good at it. And, um, I'm pretty sure I can pick up the pumpkin stone. I just, uh, Took too much time with the other stones. Just took my time doing it. I should have went a little bit faster. Maybe I would have uh, loaded the stone or whatever. But I think that still gave me maybe a decent, uh, a decent placing in that event, possibly. <clears throat> so where, where did you end up overall? That would that would have been the last event there. Um, I ended up in fourth on that one too. So I missed the podium on uh, on that in that competition. There was also quite a few guys in the class there. I think there was, uh, you know, it, maybe eight guys in the class. I think there uh, might have so. been some consolidation, so we ended up with uh, like two more guys or something in there. Yeah, there were there were there were quite a few, quite a few guys in the class. Yeah. Um, 
So looking back on that one, you say you you said you feel like you went a little too slow in the stones. Um, felt felt like like on the car flip, for example, like like you could have made made a few adjustments. Um, you know, are are you are you happy with that performance, or, or how do you look at that one? Because I know you said your goal was to uh, to podium every event, and it seems like maybe there were a couple of a uh, couple of minor things that maybe uh, knocked you out of contention there. I wasn't too disappointed. Uh, well, the, the double overhand axle deadlift was disappointing, and then um, the big well, still still a PR. Yeah, that's true. Um, not what I wanted though, but. The disappointment was the car. I really wanted to flip that damn car. Uh, and I think that had I flipped the car, I don't know how that played into anything, but had I flipped the car, I'm sure that would have landed me on the podium. Yeah. Uh, it, may, so, it may have won you the contest because everybody else zeroed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 that was the big disappointment because I was, I was so close to flipping the car. And, uh, I mean, it's flipping a car has been the most badass thing ever done. So, <laughs> yeah. So that well, that was the Viking Halloween, and then shortly afterwards, uh, what else was in November for you? Uh, the very next weekend, I went to Mike Saffle's joint, um, Saffle Performance, I think. Yeah, up in Ohio. Um, and did or, or God, a, Mike Saffle. And did a... Uh, I believe that was an arm lifting USA sanctioned event or was that a, yep, that was yeah. arm lifting. Yep. And, um, yeah, I went up there and did that event. Uh, by that point I had been doing no grip training other than axle stuff. So I went up there and hit a three, a 343 axle, I think, uh, just 10 pounds under what I had hit the, uh, the week of the weekend before. And then, uh, I think I matched most of my PRs on the other list, but didn't, but didn't hit any PRs while I was there. I don't believe. So did you try, when you hit the 343 axle, did you try, uh, the next jump up or, uh, yeah. And I missed, um, I think I missed, it was three. I don't remember how the jumps went, but it, I, I missed the next one. It might have been 353 or 358 or 363 or something. But whatever it was, I missed it. Do, do you recall what your uh, final placing was there? Um, n- well, no. No, because... Um, and and I'm new, new to the uh, grip sport stuff. And it seems like some of them just different for some reason. Some so, of the, yeah, some of the scoring is, is different for that. So at this particular event, there were no divisions apparently, and they used a type of Wilkes-type score thing. So the first, the first, second, and third place were all based off of uh, your lifts and your body weight. So Eli Kerr got first, and then... Um, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Uh, some pretty cool guys that I, that were up there um, got second and third. So I'm assuming uh, maybe the best that I got was fourth, but I don't know for sure. But uh, they used a strange scoring system there. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting that they would use like a Wilkes type of uh, deal, like a body weight based sort of thing for for a grip contest. Um, you know, I, I, more, more power to him if that's how they want to do it. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm sure it was a fun contest because I, I know Mike's a pretty cool guy and he's very much uh, dedicated to the grip stuff. So, um, mm. inter- interesting scoring system there. Probably uh, a little bit different than what anybody was used to. They um they also sometimes do a uh, divisions by hand size, like that's actually a thing. So, I'm not sure if do they have a division small enough for me. <laughs> it's the, the toddlers uh toddler division. Um, I'm not sure, sh- but I'm not sure. I don't know enough about it. I I think I don't know if the promoter can pick what scoring system they want to use or how that works. But I know that um. You can do some places for whatever reason do a hand size thing, and then they had this Wilkes absolute division type thing going on. Huh. So that uh, that wraps up November. Uh, we are headed at, at the at the time of this recording. We are headed into December um, to uh, to finish up the year. Is anything else left on the docket? No, I am done. Um, until January 26th, I believe. And that's um, a Moss Wrestling Tournament um, with a potential Arnold invite in uh, Kentucky. And hopefully I uh, get that invite and then compete at the Arnold. Very cool. So uh, just lining things up for next year, January Moss Wrestling Tournament. If that goes well, you'll do Moss again at the Arnold in March. In March, um, I, I'm hearing I'm hearing some rumblings about a sumo competition in February. Yes, the sumo wrestling national championships is in Missouri, um, pretty close to where Strongman Nationals was this year, uh, February February 24th. So basically, one month out from the Moss wrestling tournament, and. Um, you know, they may seem different, but they seem pretty similar. So I think, you know, I'm just training for both and it's, it's pretty similar. So very cool. <clears throat> so that, that's potentially, uh, you know, you're, you're on pace with, with the beginning of the year here, you're on pace to have a similar schedule next year to what you did this year. Yeah. And then, um, I have to get with my guy, uh, but I plan on doing an arm wrestling uh, tournament at some point. There's actually a West Virginia State Championships. I don't know if you have to qualify for that or you can just sign up for it or whatever, but um, I plan on doing an arm wrestling tournament uh, this this coming year, and uh, I'm also going to do a CrossFit competition this year. A CrossFit competition. So how, how's that going to work out for um, a guy who is north of uh, 300 pounds? Well, I think the plan is I'm going to I'm going to drop to 300, um, <clears throat> it, it maybe less depending on when the when the competition is. If the competition's in February, I'm probably not going to be below 300. <laughs> but if the competition ends up being in October, then I'll be below uh, 300 or whatever. What sort of uh, what sort of prep would you do? You know, for such a thing, that's going to be vastly different than uh, what you've done in the past. Well, um, I haven't thought about it too much. My plan is I'm going to consult a professional. (laughs) (laughs) So um, my next, uh, I have a couple of different coaches I'm looking at for different things, but um, I'm probably going to end up hiring someone for that. Gotcha, gotcha. So so, so you're not not just doing it as, uh, you know, to fuck around. 
Like you're actually going in there like, hey, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to compete, and I'm going to do uh, some damage. Yeah, so right now, having not done it at all ever, um, that's not true. I did do a little bit of CrossFit at one point, but um, having not competed or done anything, my initial goal right now before, you know, jumping into it is I'm not just going to fuck around necessarily, but uh, I want to finish middle of the pack. (laughs) Like I'm going to be, I'm not, I'm not placing last. I'm, I'm going to be middle of the pack Uh, just to prove a point, you know, like I do all this different stuff, um, all this flexibility stuff, strongman, all this like sumo wrestling and everything. Um, I can do anything and lay in the middle of the pack. So that that's the plan. I'm going to. You know. And, and you know, the, the, the results are, are a testament to the training methods. So um, hopefully the, uh, hopefully everything transfers over to the uh, CrossFit stuff as well. I imagine that the more strength based challenges, whatever they might be, would uh, probably not be a big issue for you. But being of a larger body size, you know, the, okay, hey, we're going to do a, a, a two-mile uh, row on the on the concept two-rower type of thing, yeah. or h- however they measure that, um, that's probably going to be stuff that's a bit more of a challenge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one thing to consider with CrossFit that you don't have in other things is, uh, um, so there's, well, number one, it's going to be blind events, which, which I don't. I could care less about. So that means I'm not going to be able to cherry pick my event, right? I'm not going to be able to find a CrossFit competition that like, oh, well, they have like three max weight events. This is what I'll do. <laughs> like I'm going to be thrown in there knowing nothing. Like it's going to be a pretty fair level playing field as far as that goes. Like I'm not going to be able to cherry pick what event I do. That way I can't go pick the CrossFit competition designed for me and then be like, hey, look, I won, or I won, you know, I accomplished oh, yeah, hey, my look, goal. Yeah, look, look, look um, how good of a CrossFitter I am. I I, right. I, I went and did a max out day at a CrossFit gym. Right, right. So, <laughs> um, so it's going to be a level playing field. And then the other things I have to consider are they have divisions. So they have like a novice division, intermediate, and advanced division at a lot of these competitions. Um, I'm not going to do novice because I think that would be just – an injustice to the to the people there because, uh, dis, you know, I haven't done CrossFit, but I've been lifting things for years. So, yeah, and and that's that's another thing is, uh, you know, or or if you've been training in some way, shape, or form for twenty years, are, are you really novice at anything? Right. You know. Um. So, then there's intermediate, which uh, I think would probably be right up my alley just because um well you know it's it's the modifications to the more technical and crazy lifts right mm-hmm. so you, you know you're gonna have, if i go advanced you're gonna have muscle ups you're gonna have toes to bar you're gonna have um double unders and all that stuff right so, has has anyone ever done a 350 pound muscle up <laughs> are, are we going to see that in 2019 <laughs> well um i think the answer might be yes, because, um, I'm don't plan on going intermediate. <laughs> I think I, I'm, I think I'm going to go advanced. I mean, if you're going to do it, why not, you know, let's do it. Um, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the world's first 350 pound muscle up may be on the way. He, yeah, he, I mean, he says he's going to cut weight 
but uh, this guy likes to eat. <laughs> I'm just so, telling you. So I think, I think yeah, and um, I think I'm going to go advanced. And you know, I mean, if you're going to go do it, go do it. I mean, what well, the worst happens is a, a zero or something. Who cares? So, um, you know, there will be three or four more events to make it up. You know. Now, what what happens if if you show up to a CrossFit <clears throat> competition and they actually, you know, they they call the police or animal control because they think an actual bear um, <laughs> is is in the building. Uh, you know, um, probably probably might stand out a little bit uh, at, at at six five three whatever. Nobody's going to um, tranquilize a bear doing kipping pull ups. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think do you think the uh, pull up bars will will support you uh, do, doing the kipping style? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> no, he's going to pull the whole rig over, folks. Um, so th- that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, so that takes us to, you know, we, we're not sure when that's going to be. Anything lined up uh, for April, in particular? April. Um, hmm. I don't think so. Or you're, you're still kind of looking for dates for the CrossFit thing and the arm wrestling thing. Yeah. Uh, so May, May is team championships. Yeah, May. Uh, I'm already, uh, yeah, I'm signed up. We're doing that one. Any uh, any roster changes? Do you, you get the same crew as last time? What's uh... um, As of right now, everybody says they're, they're in it to win it. So um, it should be the same, the same group is coming back. And uh, I think, I think we got second place. So. Yeah, we're looking to win it. How you feeling about that battering ram event that was announced? Oh, we're winning the battering ram event. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Whoever's out there listening, you can do whatever you want. It's not going to be enough. We're winning. We're winning the battering ram event. You can go buy a battering ram. You can try. It. We're winning the battering ram event. The <laughs> best you can hope for is second place. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be. So uh, that that takes us into the summer, June, July. Um, in in anything in particular you got going on through the summer, or are you still kind of waiting for uh, things to play themselves out? Um, no, the only things I have planned uh, strongman wise are the team championships and then the forest festival in September. So if if we look at it right now, uh, we already said uh, theoretically three meets in three months. Um, January, February, March. Uh, you're looking for arm wrestling and and uh, looking looking for um, the teams in May. So that's five. Um, then Strongsman the Force would be six. So yeah, I guess I just got to find six more. Yeah, so, so go go for <laughs> go for the dirty dozen. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's possible that I'll do. Um, the Norse Highlander and uh, the Viking Highlander, but uh, I, I don't know yet because especially if um, the Moss tournament goes well and I'm going to end up um, going to the Arnold and stuff, <clears throat> I don't know how that'll play out. with Because uh, I think the Norse Highlander's in, in March uh, and then the Arnold's also in March. So I don't know how that'll play out. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens there. Very cool. So uh, you said there were a few things you wanted to kind of talk about before we, we wrap things up here. 
um, as far as you know competing competing that often you know how how you made it work what are the important factors for people that uh, like to compete <clears throat> often and what people who are afraid to compete often um, might be able to learn from all this so I think um, <clears throat> you know training's addicting and people train a lot and and you hear like all the all the the greats and all the old timers and stuff they always say if I had to do it again I would have trained less and less often and I wouldn't have done all this crazy stuff or whatever and I think that's true because over 10 competitions um, I have a rule anyway I take a week off before and after competitions um, and I did that most of the time although when you're doing 10 you have to break that rule a little bit if if, if you have any hopes of (laughs) you know staying strong throughout the season but um I took a week off before and after most of those competitions. And when I didn't, they weren't full training weeks anyway. So maybe I would train two days that week and then go into the competition and maybe train one or two days after the competition. And I wouldn't do anything crazy those days. Um, and I PR'd at every, almost every competition. You know, it was probably the least I've ever trained <laughs> through a year. Um, other than the first two months when uh, I was training, uh, doing Martine's program leading up, you know, when I wasn't competing, I trained a lot because uh, I was doing four days a week with Martine's program and then four days a week of grip training as a separate thing. So I trained, I trained a lot those, um, and that was including Moss training and everything. Uh, I uh, trained a lot for those two months, but after that, it was uh, not a lot of training, really. I mean, you know, there there was those couple months where I skipped some competitions or whatever, and I got to pick up some training there, but um, probably the least I've ever trained in a year, days-wise. And uh, I hit PRs at almost every competition. I podiumed at almost every competition. And uh, I feel pretty strong now, um, you know, going into this other stuff and, and I'm about, I'm about to do another, um, stretch kind of like I did before the others where I'm training four days a week with, uh, four days of grip and stuff. But I think I'm only doing three days of grip right now and, uh, four days of other stuff. But so, so you're, you're sort of almost on like an off season right now. Um, but your off season is like six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the six week off season. I like it. <clears throat> but yeah, I think that's a big thing. You know, you, you people, people always panic. Like, Oh, I can't train or like whatever. But I, you know, I mean, I don't think it matters that much. Like, I think you're probably training too much anyway. You need to back it off, take a break. And that's how, that's how you get strong and stuff. I think it only does, you know, I mean, I hadn't deadlifted in I don't know how long when I pulled five, 50 or whatever it was as strong as Viking and then 500 in October. Like I've deadlifted very little this year and was still hitting the same numbers. Um, so yeah, you know, when you can easily do all these competitions and still get stronger throughout the whole thing and you can do it and not get injured. The only, um, and none of them, I didn't get injured at any competition. I don't think the only thing I had was that nerve issue. Um, and who knows even why or how that, I mean, that was just like, I woke up one day and I was like, what the hell? Yeah, that was, and, I, I remember that it was really out of the blue. You just, you were just like, Hey, I, I, I woke up and my, 
freaking arms numb. Or, yeah. <laughs> and then I had that slight thumb issue, which I wouldn't even call an injury with the uh, the Denny rings. Um, and I think honestly, that should that would have wouldn't have even been a problem had I uh, started with a lighter weight and kind of built up with the hook grip. But instead, I kind of was doing it with a normal grip and then decided to do the same weight with the hook grip. And that screwed me up. But, uh, yeah, I never really suffered any injuries um, throughout the whole thing uh, that, that I can remember anyway. Got stronger the whole time. There's really no reason to dodge doing competitions. So for people that are already doing a lot of competitions, you know, what, what mistakes are they making? You talked about taking some some time off, uh, you know, and, and, and not training too much. So for somebody who is doing a lot of competitions, what, what are some other things that they can do to make sure that they're hitting PRs, make sure they're performing when it counts? Stop training through. People train through, like, oh, I'm doing all these competitions. I'm going to train through these ones. I'm not going to train through these ones. Just stop training through any of them because you're not going to suffer from it. There's not going to be any setbacks. And you're going to decrease your chance of injury. I don't know how many times I've seen, uh, it was happened to me before too, but people will do a competition and then go back in the gym on Monday and they'll get fucked up. Blow an SI joint out, so as spasms. <laughs> it's always a low back thing, almost always. And uh, you know, just take the time off. Who cares? Just take the time off. And, uh, and, and it's not going to kill you to take a week off. If you've really been training and putting the effort in, it's not going to matter. Take the time off and uh, move on. So stop training through competitions. It only, it only means you're going to have a poor performance or at least less than what you could have had. And it's going to increase your chance of injury or, or annoyance. I mean, it may not be a real injury, but it may, you know, you might have to miss a day or two because of injury. I'd rather miss a day or two because I chose to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and choosing to miss a day or two can prevent you from missing uh, a week or two uh, against your will. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think and uh, yeah, I just think that's the big thing. Stop training through and and um, stop doing nine million sets of deadlifts, and you'll be all right. So for anybody that uh, wants to, you know, let uh, let Jesus take the wheel, so to speak, here, um, how do they? Uh, what, what's the best way to get a hold of you for uh, for programming and things like that? Um, you can hit me up on. Well, actually, you can email me through the MauserPower dot com site. The the contact us thing there will we'll send you to me. Um, you can also call or text me. My phone number is available on, I think, both Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can also message me on Instagram or Facebook, and I'll get back to you. Now, your best bet on Facebook is to message me on my on my personal page, John Mauser, because I usually check it from my phone, and it's hard to check messages to my athlete page on uh, my phone. But I can do it, but it, it just may take a minute. But, uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, call me, text me. Smoke signals, whatever you want to do. Send up a <laughs> send up a plane with a banner, and, and uh, I'll get back to you. Very cool stuff. Uh, any any final things that you want to you want to add here before we uh, kind of wrap things up on this? 
Um, yeah, we have a rite of passage coming up uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, well, actually, it won't be this coming Saturday because this this will be past rite of passage by the time you hear this. Yeah, by the so, time by the time you um, hear this, rite of passage will already have happened. Yeah, so rite of passage is around the corner. That's going to be cool. Um, by the time you guys hear this, we should be gearing up for the battle in the blizzard and the battle of the Ein Herjar, the battle weekend. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I have a couple people competing in those. Um, that's, uh, is that January? Wait, what weekend is that? Uh, it's the same weekend as your Moss tournament. It's January 26th and 27th, Test of the Ein Herjar and Battle in the Blizzard. Uh, Battle in the Blizzard. So we, we went uh, we went unsanctioned with that this year, so that we could so that we could match it up with the weight classes from the from the super total, which is day one. And uh, you know we we kind of thought uh, most of the people that are really interested in the Blizzard and the blind events and all that kind of stuff probably don't give a rat's ass if it's sanctioned or not. Um, you know, and I've got feedback on both sides from that. Some people don't care. Some people do. Um, so, you know, moving forward, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that. But uh, we wanted to experiment with it. We want to do things a little bit differently this year. So the blizzard got moved uh, from February to January. And it's part of uh, it's part of the Test of the Honors Our Weekend now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's what Test of the Honors Are, not not the battle of the energy um either way we can test them we can battle it's all good yeah so uh me and um probably uh hannah the destroyer and sarah ought uh hannah won't be competing but sarah and i will be doing moss that weekend but we have some people uh, i have some people that i trained signed up for the einherjar and the blizzard um so that'll be cool and um that should be coming up uh you know, coming up by the time you guys hear this, um, and if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the other episodes, check it out. We had Dave Tate, um, the inventor of the Grappito, was on here. He's also a jiu-jitsu guy. That was a good uh, listen. And um, and then Travis Clark uh, would have been the guest before this podcast, and that was a short one, but it was really good uh, quality stuff there. And then um, we have... Uh, I'm going to try to get a sumo wrestler on here, and um, I'm talking to uh, um, Jim Windler. Um, he's he said he would do the podcast, so I have some really good, really uh, big time um, guests. We're going to I'm going to re uh, we're going to bring Jed Johnson back. So um, this season might be able to top the last season by the time it's said and done. Man, lo- looking forward to hearing from Jed again. Jed's a pretty cool dude, and his your podcast with Jed on the last season was one of my favorites uh, of, of the whole series. Yeah, and uh, I think I have a call with him this coming week. Um, so when I talk to him, we'll set a date, and I'll go ahead and get that one um, recorded, and uh, we'll be good to go. I went in on that one. Bring bring me in on that one, damn it. All right. Cool. All right, well, uh, we're about out of time because that was two hours and 30 minutes, approaching 31 minutes. Um This has been uh, John the Viking Mauser and Paul Mauser with the Get Strong or Die podcast. (laughs) 